everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. Bruno Salguero is a kindred spirit from Portugal who first became fascinated with training as a means to become a young Bruce Lee. Years later, he now graces the silver screen as a professional stuntman. As you can imagine, this episode is an action movie fan's dream. However, unfortunately for Bruno, though, he is stuck with three dudes with some of the worst taste in cinema you've ever seen. Here it is, episode 431. of Power Athlete Radio. I'm John Wellborn, and I'm joined by my illustrious uh, co-host, Mr. Chris McQuilkin, a.k.a. Tex, and Mr. Luke Summer. Say hello, hello boys. Hello, John. Thanks for uh, joining me today. I'm always happy to be a guest, but I you know, feel pretty excited on maybe taking the reins and doing the intro. Fantastic job. I gave it a 10. Okay. So, yeah, thank you. Um, for, what are we going to do now? Uh, we are going to jump on with our boy, Bruno. Uh, Bruno, we jumped on him earlier, or I, I was on his podcast earlier. He's based out of Portugal. Uh, exciting individual that uh, not only is, considers himself a YouTube influencer, but also a stuntman, martial artist, and just an all-around excellent individual with a very deep knowledge of movies. Mm. Not all movies, John, I think. Well, I guess it is compared to most people. Very deep knowledge. But he seems to have a... He's an 80s and 90s movie aficionado, specifically Kung Fu. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm in. I mean, and he's very, uh, as a stuntman in the movie business, a lot of opinion oh, yeah. about movies, what's good and bad in shows and whatever. Well, I would say a lot of perspective, because he himself is a high-level professional that choreographs fight scenes for, for films, movies, mm-hmm. TV. So when he gets to see these big blockbusters yeah. with... You know, Streisands like Matt Damon. <laughs> oh. Then he brings a critical eye uh-huh. to their execution. Mm-hmm. And he had amazing things to say about Keanu Reeves' execution. Uh, I still to this day, I mean, even though I know he didn't like the plot of John Wick, I still love it. I'm great. But this is December 18th, launch of this podcast. And with that, December 18th, Christmas coming up, New Year's, the whole new me, new you, resis, resolutions, and the whole deal. We have training programs that yeah. oh, we do. We got uh, a catalog, uh, pretty much a plethora, to quote my, one of my other favorite movies. Um, you know the, which one that is? Where he said, would you say Fletch. I have a plethora of gifts? Mm-mm. The Three Amigos, remember? Ah, oh, it's been a while. El Guapo? Okay. So we have uh, pre- training programs, uh, really our flagship. We got uh, Field Strong and Jack Street. Um, we have our military door kicker warfighter program with uh, Hammer. We got our grindstone, which is, um, uh, you know, the individual, uh, you know, that might work 40 hours a week, you know, whatever it looks like, but uh, really kind of a flexible program. And then, you know, Bedrock, our foundation program. We got Johnny Wad, Johnny Bod. I mean, speed kills. I mean, we have, if there's a solution that you need for training, I think we meet it. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, you can figure out the answer to that. We got a little program selector. Mm. So you want to go to powerathletehq.com slash training and uh, rather than poke around and read all the beautiful copyright or copywriting on all those landing pages, just take answer a few questions. We'll suggest what's going to be best for you, the new you. It's a new year. You deserve a new you. <laughs> new you, new me, new you. Yeah. New us. And if you new have a question, you can always shoot us a uh, email at training at powerathletehq.com mm-hmm. or info, and we'll help you and get you directed in the right direction. And, um, you know, always looking to engage and talk with our customers and the people that are following the training. So reach out. And have a free trial. Oh. Risk-free trial mm-hmm. to join in and experience live within the teams. It's not a 
PDF program that you get sent to get a feel for it. It's the full-blown experience. Yeah, you're jumping Once in. you sign up, you get on the Train Heroic app, and you're on that team for that risk-free trial. And I think that's really where the magic's made. I mean, the community, the aspect, the coaching, and I think what really separates, and even though they're training programs, what I think separates Power Athlete from everybody else in the market is the attention to detail with training and making sure that individuals are doing something, focusing on movement, not just movements. Yeah, and providing perspective subs for equipment, subs for scaling down movement, and then providing direction for scaling up, making it more challenging, and finding your level of execution to take you where you can't take yourself. So you're telling me that for less than a dollar a day, I have access to real coaching, real training, and real programming? Yes. I know it sounds crazy, but yes. Sign me up. I'll do it. I'm in. That's a bargain. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. PowerAthleteHQ.com slash training. New year, new you. New me, new we. New us. Ah, I don't know what that means. I, it, I knew it rhymed and I went with it. Yeah, I'm new excited us, for it. New bus, <laughs> new Gus. I might just go to the bay. Play with I don't some know. Play. I just may. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, want to get to it? Yeah, let's get in with our uh, good friend Bruno from Portugal. Thanks for coming on Power Athlete Radio. Can, uh, Thank you, you so much. Uh, dude, this is the second time we've got an uh, opportunity to hang out and talk. I was on your show. Thank you for having me. And uh, uh, we thought we'd great. reciprocate. We had such a great conversation. We thought it was great to bring you on Power Athlete Radio. So for those of uh, so the people listening that don't know you, can you give us a little intro and you know, give us the elevator pitch? Yeah, for sure. So I'm a professional stuntman, have been for 11 years now, and a personal trainer. And now what I would call, or people would call, not me, a YouTube influencer and stuff like that. So I'm based in Portugal. And that's why uh, it's very funny because uh, John has been calling me Dikesh <laughs> since the beginning because my Portuguese uh, name, the Portuguese of my, uh, the Portuguese name of my YouTube channel is Dikesh do Salgueiro, which means Salgueiro's tips because Salgueiro is my last name. So in my English channel, I called myself Bruce Willow. So my real name is Bruno, but it's been really funny to be called a dickass. <laughs> because uh, it's, I appreciate it's the fact that you, didn't, uh, that you didn't correct me, so you just let me be an ass for all this time. And <laughs> no. <laughs> Yes, that that was uh, that was uh, that was uh, my my main goal here is to make you call me Dikesh <laughs> as long as possible to to make it really funny. But uh, um, <laughs> this is probably the first movie pitch we're gonna do here, because when I was nine years old, uh, trying to make it uh, to cut it short. But when I when I was nine years old, I guess my grandmother and I were uh, out of cartoons to watch in the movie theater. So we went to watch a movie with an Asian guy doing a sidekick with a son behind him. And I'm not going to say which one it is because you guys are going to have to guess on Bruce Lee's life. And from then on, I was like, oh, my God, I, fuck soccer. You know, <laughs> I want to learn. I want to be like Bruce Lee. I want to learn Kung Fu. I want to do whatever. Can you guys guess which movie it was? Um, You're the martial arts it, uh It'd be Enter the Crickets. Dragon. It should be Enter the <laughs> Dragon. No, it was a movie on Bruce Lee because remember, I'm 36 oh, years old, oh. so Bruce Lee was yeah, that's right. for like 20 what, years. Um, that was called, uh, oh, what was the movie about his life? Uh, it was played by Brandon with Brandon Lee. Was it the one no, where? 
Brandon, Brandon was his son who he did not want to play whatever. It's with Jason Scott Lee. It's called Dragon the Bruce Lee Story. Okay. You yeah, might, I do remember, you might that. remember it. Yes. Yeah, you might remember it. Yeah. So it's a really cool movie and a really well done movie on Bruce Lee's life, even though it has a lot of mysticism and stuff like that and some stuff that didn't really happen in his life. But it really set the foundation for me to be extra. Uh, uh, addicted to sports and addicted to one specific modality. So I wanted to learn Kung Fu. And even though I'm in a small country like Portugal, we have 10 million popula population, uh, I found that we had Kung Fu classes in my hometown, which is actually very small. You know, it's, it's outside of the capital of Lisbon. So I was really berserk when I found that we had Kung Fu classes here uh, nearby. So I nagged my mother into, into uh, enrolling me in the classes. So I became completely addicted and it didn't help that I was an only child and my parents were getting a divorce. So I spent a lot of time on my own. So I practiced every single day doing all the stupid stuff that we see in the martial arts movies like Jackie Chan movies, Van Damme's movies. So I would just put everything out of the way, like all the furniture and start doing my stupid backflips and stupid push-ups and stupid whatever. Not stupid, you know, it's part of the way. But uh, um, I, I would do those old school type of workouts that uh, uh, sometimes we make fun of right now, but it, it, they had its, its, its way in that, uh, they had their, their sense in the, in when, when you're a teenager. Uh, later on, um, I became a little bit uh, frustrated with the martial arts scene here in Portugal because from there, from there I became a national champion doing uh, uh, Kung Fu uh, forms which is like sequences, like kata, yeah, you know, katas. kata yeah. from karate, yeah. Um, what, uh, so, what, what, uh, what style did you practice? I mean, was it like, uh, um, you know, Shaolin? I mean, I know that they have a bunch of different deviations of kung fu and different animal styles and all that. Was it? Uh, exactly. It, it was one of the more acrobatic ones, which hmm. really helped me later on. So it's Chang Chuan. It's called uh, Long Fist. Hmm. So it's Northern Shaolin. Okay. Northern Shaolin. Because usually Northern styles have much more jumping, a lot of running, a lot of... Uh, there's also one style which is called Ditang Chuan, in which you have a lot of breakfalls. It's called the breakfall boxing, which uh, in which you... You do a, a front somersault and you fall on your back, but you really learn how to fall without getting hurt. So this would be, you know, perfect for me to be a stuntman later on. Besides, even though it's not very good for fighting, because in fighting you really want the most direct line, like Bruce Lee would say, uh, you know, all these stuff like ballet and these huge jumps and the splits, they really helped me condense a great physical ability for later on being able to uh, adapt to any sort of fight choreographies, falls, car hits that I would eventually do. So, yeah. Um, and um, so, but I was kind of frustrated because I thought, okay, I want to be the Portuguese Chuck Norris, but where do I go? What do I do? So I stayed here. I didn't do pretty much anything. Uh, and I was like, uh, I, I was starting to get some, um, I was starting to get conformed, you know, with, with the, the reality of this. So I never really packed my bags and went to the U.S. or tried something different. Uh, but it's funny that I met this guy when I was maybe 15 or 16 years old, when the, the Internet was starting to bloom. 
we still had uh, Yahoo and Alta Vista as the main uh, search engines, if you Luke might recall still uses that. Alta Vista. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's his favorite. He's always there <laughs> yeah. messing around on Alta Vista. Ask Jeeves. Yeah, Alta Vista. <laughs> and Bonzi Buddies and AOL, AOL Instant Messenger. You have me. What was the other one? What was the other one that had the oh Netscape? Was it MSN? MSN uh, message? Oh, Netscape Navigator. I yeah. remember those. Yeah. IRC. IRC. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. I was a, I was huge. I was a huge predator on IRC. LimeWare. Like when I downloaded LimeWare and it gave my computer AIDS, and I pretty much just had to throw away the computer and get a new one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Napster. Oh, I, I remember those. The, the all of those and. Um, so I had this, me, me and a buddy of mine who was very good with computers, we did this website called the Shaolin Temple, which was really, really ghetto, you know, like very amateur, really stupid. But like we put ourselves in Kung Fu costumes, doing some sort of positions and stuff like that to try to show our stuff. So it was really the beginning of the beginnings of the Internet. So it was really if I watched it right now, I'd be like, so, so embarrassed. Right. But um because of that website, other people from Portugal who practiced Kung Fu as well got in touch with me like, oh, I'm from the Algarve, which is down south. I practice Kung Fu as well. So maybe we should get together or something, practice some Kung Fu. I was like, OK, whatever. So I was like 14 or 15 years old. And I used to spend uh, my vacation with my mom and my grandparents in the Algarve on south, uh, in the south. And I met this guy called David Chan who practiced kickboxing and Kung Fu as well. So thank you, Internet, for me getting to know this guy who would later on help me so much because he, when he was later on, when he was 18 years old, he went to the United States. He went to the States uh, to Long Beach University, I think. Uh, Cal, State. Take um, Cal State. Cal State. Yeah, Cal State Long Beach. Is what Cal called. State Long Beach. Yeah. He went there to take a, a, um, a filmmaker's course. But he also continued to practice martial arts and stuff like that. So we worked there as a stuntman and then he worked as a first assistant director. And so he, he really got to do a lot of networking and work as a stuntman for quite a long time uh, during eight years that he was there. And one time, like later on, like seven or eight years after that, he came back and we got together and he was like, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of creating or getting a, a, a creating a Portuguese stunt team. Would you like to do that? And by then, I was really in a in a rut. So I was, uh, I already uh, was not practicing martial arts at the time, but I was, um, I was uh, doing. I, I I always loved fitness, so I was doing a lot of weightlifting, uh, a lot of um, you know, a lot of uh, what do you call it? cross training, like uh, like circuit training and stuff like that. What 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 we would now call similar to CrossFit, whatever. Uh, so I was always, uh, I, I always kept on working on my physique, but uh, I was in terms of career, I, I was in, uh, I had been in translations course for English and French for like one year and I didn't like it. So I changed it. And then I went to law school for three years. I didn't like it. So I changed it, but it got me, it got me three years to change it because you know, girls and, and alcohol and alcohol and stuff like that in law school it's a little bit different than translations course that's for sure and, and then i changed it once again and i was taking a journalist course like a, not exactly journalist they call it um corporate communication which you have like 
it's it's the course that you take if you want to be either a journalist or a, I don't know a spokesman or a, a PR you know so that was more my speed and I was starting to like it but then uh, I was really bankrupt because that last one was in a private university and my parents after me uh, going out of college for uh, twice after me going out of college twice they gave me the middle finger and said, no, 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 you're going to have to work and do stuff on your own to make sure that you that you um, that you follow the right path. So we're not going to help you anymore. And that was harsh times for me because I did everything. I, I almost became a stripper in order to pay for the goddamn college. <laughs> and uh, so I did everything. I, I was a mascot for several years. I did telemarketing, which was the the worst and the best experience ever. I worked in pizza places, you know, uh, rough times, but uh, they, they, they kind of made me who I am today. And um, after the, that hiatus, my friend came back and I was still fit. I was still ready, uh, but uh, I was, you know, I was in a, in a downslope when it comes to career or career choices. So when he saw me, I was actually giving, you know, I, I was one of those promoters in, in uh, there was this theater, this uh, theater play going on. And I was in, at, the, at the entrance with my ex-girlfriend giving uh, keychains and stuff like that. So I was being a promoter, an event promoter. I, I don't know what, what, what the name of it is. And uh, event, the guy saw promoter. me. Event promoter. Yeah, event promoter, like yeah. giving keychains and giving posters and stuff like that. You know, one of those, like, like an usher, but giving stuff. And uh, so I saw this guy, this Asian looking dude, like all, all the way for, uh, through the hall. And he was like, Bruno. And I was like, oh, David. So he came back from the States and he said that he wanted to start a, 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 stunt, a stunt company here in Portugal. And I was like, OK, so wait, wait, wait a minute. So you came from Hollywood, basically, and you come to Portugal where we have like 10 soap operas, maybe. And you want to form a stuntman company here in portugal was he are from you portugal? out of your fucking mind was he he's from, from portugal oh he's from yeah. portugal but he's of chinese descent yes uh, his mother's chinese yeah okay so that's why his name is david chan and um so so he asked me if i wanted to join the team and i was like oh i, I got nothing better to do i'm not doing anything i had already in portugal we call it frozen i had blocked my last year in 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 college uh, i had blocked i had suspended it for a year, like a sabbatic year to make sure that I would gather enough money to go back since it was a private school and it was really, really uh, expensive and I wasn't getting any help. So I still had one year to do of that um, corporate communication course. Uh, but then I was like, okay, okay, you, you got my number. And he was like, oh, you're, you're kind of bigger, you know, because he remembers me being like this and being very agile and flexible. But then I was a little bit bulkier because I was only bodybuilding and doing weightlifting and stuff like that. And it was like, are you still fit? Because you're kind of big. Can you still like do backflips and splits and stuff like that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever you want. Like, okay. So bottom line is I was ready because he called me not even two weeks later. We had our first job here in a soap opera. And then we never stopped since. So thank God for that guy who went to the States. And he knew that maybe we had a market here in Portugal to actually shoot a lot of stuff. So right now we've been stunting for 11 years, like I said. And um, we do a lot of stuff here in Portugal for abroad as well because of the weather and because it's cheaper than other European countries. So that's basically it. Um, yeah. 
and later on mixing i know this is <laughs> i wanted to cut it short but it's really difficult to cut it short when i when i talk about this um later on when i um i i tried to gather everything that i've learned and my passion for fitness i took uh, a personal trainer course so I'm a certified personal trainer as well. And then I tried to gather both what I had learned in action, you know, in stunting and in personal training. So I, I uh, there's a couple of friend of mine, uh, friends of mine, which I've known since we were kids. And one of them is as a production company. So we got together and we formed what is now called Dikej do Salgairo. Uh, it's, it's been uh, seven years since we started. So it's actually been, I guess, uh, a fresh way of looking at fitness for people who speak Portuguese. So not only do we have a good Portuguese audience, but also a Brazilian a Brazilian audience, since it's the same language with a couple uh, accent dif uh, differences. But uh, it's been quite a ride, and I've been loving every second of it. So Bruno, talk to us about like before people find you and this new fresh look at fitness. Like, what are they doing before that? Like what in Portugal? What is the base level of people's knowledge of fitness? That's a great question. I mean, it, in Portugal specifically, it's different than Brazil, because Brazilian people love to work out, but Portuguese people don't. So <laughs> if you had like a pill that would give you everything, like I want to get ripped, toned, and defined by tomorrow taking this pill, I think that ninety percent of the people would take it. Although. People are starting to get aware uh, of fitness much, uh, much more because of social media and stuff like that. So there's, uh, it's it's bigger than it's ever been, but it's still a very very short amount of people that are actually working out. So the last year's standings were something like people enrolled in the gym of the healthy and active population were like seven percent, oh, wow. and our neighbor Spain is like twelve. So you can. Go figure, yeah. Is it, um, I mean, uh, you know, I know we talked about this, but when I went to Brazil, it was extremely superficial, like a very kind of, uh, you know, forward-facing, like, you know, uh, every quarter mile on the beach in Ipanema and Copacabana, there's uh, like a pull-up dip, like kind of gymnastic station, and people totally hit their pump before they walk down to the beach. And, um, you know, and then, dude, people are wearing, like, next to nothing. So I wonder if, like that culture kind of spurs that um, not narcissism but like hey you need to be in shape because the beach is so forward facing in Brazil yes in Portugal as well so w when we when it comes summertime you know three months earlier you have everybody in the gym everybody that works out specifically and um, yes everybody wants to get pumped for the for the beach and we got a lot of uh, it's something that I did not used to see uh, I wasn't I, I wasn't used to seeing this, but we got a lot of uh, youngsters and teenagers, uh, you know, st using steroids and stuff like that to get swole to the beach for that purpose and not so much for, you know, strength and conditioning or, or being able to, to being good at their sports. So we're really, really young in terms of uh, connecting uh, what you do in the gym with the sports. Mm -hmm. It's mostly narcissism like you like you mentioned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, would it be vanity? Is vanity more uh, appropriate? It's vanity. I'll, I'll just tell you an example. We went to this big club in, um, like, like, right in, like, on the main drag. I'd, like, you know, like, um, like right, right on the beach. And when we walked in, <clears throat> there was, like, all these people dancing. 
and uh, all the girls were like facing out. So it was kind of weird. You like saw the dudes' backs, and you saw the girls facing out, and I just kind of noticed like it's kind of weird. And like the girls were all kind of like looking over the dude's shoulders and we were just kind of like tripping out. And then I realized that there were mirrors all around that these girls were dancing, <laughs> watching themselves. So like these, it was like the, the weirdest thing. Like they weren't uh, no focus on their dance partner. It was like, they were dancing in this mirror, watching themselves. And I remember thinking like, this is a different place. Mm-hmm. And then just, uh, it's just the vanity. I mean, the amount of plastic surgery I saw in Brazil was like, I've never seen anything like it. Like, I mean, it, it was, um, it was like going to uh, South Beach or like the, but like the whole place. So it was, um, I mean, a lot of really good looking people. So, I mean, there's definitely a, a vanity piece. I don't know if it's vanity or just that's what's uh, considered normal in the culture. Yeah, we got a little bit of that culture here because we, uh, we always watched Brazilian stuff from the get-go ever since we were kids. So, yeah, there's a lot of following the trend that's happening in Brazil. You see that with toenails in, in girls you know every once in a while a girl comes up with green toenails and it's like what the hell is that oh it's fashionable in brazil and it's like oh okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right i get it yeah sure <laughs> so really the focus of your pot or like what you do on youtube and kind of your big kind of touch point is trying to steer people away from all of this kind of craziness into something that looks like legitimate training and strength and conditioning yes i would like that i mean I started like any other YouTuber or influencer or whatnot doing the whole uh, day TV route here in Portugal, you know, showing how to showing old people and stuff like that, how to uh, bodybuild with uh, gallons of water and stuff like that at home. You know, I, I, I've done I've done it all in the in the first uh, few years and it got me a lot of it got me a lot of followers. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's actually been very helpful. But how long can you be doing that? I mean, even though I believe in, in, in I, I believe in the message, I wasn't doing anything that I did not want to do. But I mean, after, after a while, it's like, okay, come on, let's let's step up the game a little bit. I, I can't take any more questions on how to lose belly fat. You know, it's like <laughs> you do that for the first couple of years, but then it's like, how oh, how can I get rid of this this belly fat? I lost it everywhere else, but I can't. It's like, oh man, come on, I've done like. 500 videos on that please go watch them and uh don't bother me anymore because i'm gonna step it up we have to step it up we have to start talking about something else um but it's still we eventually re eventually realized that most of the people that watch the the, the videos or if you want to go a little bit more mainstream 90 percent of the people will be beginners yeah. so they will obviously react better to a video saying how to lose belly fat or how to warm up, stuff like that, than a video on, I don't know, how to get uh, uh, 300 pounds on your back squat or 400 pounds on your back squat, right? So I, I, I'd say I, I have to always keep doing a mix of both. Uh, right now, I'm working on my gymnastics. I'm working a lot of my, on my martial arts, a lot of my kicking skills for the fight choreographies in the movies and videos. But I know that every once in a while I have to go back to six-minute ab workout. I know I know I have to go back to that every once in a while uh, because a lot of the people that I formed from the beginning are still waiting for me to do those types of videos. So I have to be kind of clever about it, even though sometimes I'm not. But I really have to do a mix of it all, you know, more mainstream videos, uh, more sketchy-like funny videos talking about, you know, those fitness funny jokes or... Uh, the hot fitness girl with a stupid personal trainer, stuff like that. 
we do all kinds of jokes like that. Uh, but sometimes I really want uh, more advanced people or people who have been working out for uh, a longer time to also enjoy the videos and learn how to get for uh, how to get a 400 pound squat or 500 pound squat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's something I think that everybody runs into. I mean, I know we have. I mean, uh, the stuff that's most relevant is the stuff we were talking about 10 years ago. And if there was a video that you made four or five years ago, there's no way that that video could still be applicable to the people today. And when they look at it, well, that's old. You know, my question is new. So I guess the idea of constantly, you know, putting out content that's relevant. And, um, and we were actually had this, we did a kind of a diagram yesterday where we're over time, you kind of ascend into this kind of peak where you're kind of constantly pushing your information. And the things that we take is just I, I'm not necessarily mundane, but just what we just know to be the case. And it's like, and then you have to remember, there's still people entering your portal. There's people that are first learning about this, and this is their first forte. And it's almost like, well, we've been talking about this stuff for the last 20 years. Where you been? You know, the party's already started. And that idea of like 90% of the people probably are still in that beginner, just trying to lose some belly fat. And, and that's a great point that you're uh, bringing out because a lot of uh, digital market marketing uh, gurus that have reached out to me and some of them were quite right because they have this whole pattern. You know, it's like it's not that they're geniuses or something like that. They sell themselves as genius, but they they all have the same pattern. So they know what works based on what worked before. So it's one of the things they tell me the most. And I actually uh, my experience tells me that's exactly right, which is. Don't assume people already saw your other videos. Don't assume that. Don't ever assume that. But it's really difficult from time to time. From time to time, I'm I'm doing like a live workout uh, for my website or something. And people are like, oh, how can I do this? And I'm like, we went over that last week. I want to say that, but I can't because I know that maybe that guy wasn't here last week. He didn't watch it all. So uh, the idea that we had, and I think this is... The, the youngsters don't already do this, but we tend to want it all in order, right? For example, when I started my YouTube channel, I would go in order. I wouldn't do a video on a muscle-up before I would do a video on how to do a air squat. I would never do that. But in YouTube, on YouTube, on your channel, you can. And, and sometimes it's actually quite clever if you to go with beginner, advanced, beginner, advanced. It, it doesn't have to have an order. It doesn't have to follow an order. I'm not going to do a video on how to warm up before I'm going to do a video or uh, on uh, on a muscle-up, for example. I don't have to follow an order. Uh, so that kind of screwed me up in the beginning, but it really works better uh, as an influencer, whatever, as, as a, a YouTube channel performer uh, to keep varying the content and not going in order. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I'd like to shift lanes a little bit into your stunting career. Mm-hmm. How? Well, we know how you got involved in it. Do a whole bunch of crazy martial arts and acrobatics and be in the right place at the right time when your buddy goes exactly. to L.A. and gets formally taught in cinematography, comes back and sets up a stunting group. Now, how about exactly. like the journey from like your first gig? And what have you what did you learn in those early days that? Like, oh, man, I really need to figure out how to do X, Y, or Z. Or, and then maybe how did that affect your training? And like, what, what were some of those early milestones or learning moments for you as a young stuntman? Well, first of all, I was really, uh, I had lost all sort of discipline that I had. 
I was doing only um, odd jobs, like the ones I mentioned. Like I, I, I was everything. I was like, uh, uh, we have this uh, hippo, this huge hippo in Portugal, which is a lady hippo. It's called the popota. It's for a supermarket. I was a popota once. I was a popota. I was a SpongeBob. I was a SpongeBob. So I had to be all crammed inside of a, uh, a sponge. You know, and the arms were like little tiny pieces of PVC. Did you have to go into so a I pineapple to... under the sea? A pineapple under the Oh, yeah, that's what he does in the, in the yeah, cartoons? Yeah, where he lives. SpongeBob SquarePants lives in a pineapple under the sea. Oh, because I never actually watched SpongeBob, so I had no idea. <laughs> well, I can tell you don't have kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Not yet. No, right. no. But... But it was it was a it was a funny moment because I was in that I was in that sponge and I couldn't have my arms out of the sponge because he has like tiny arms, tiny PVC arms or whatever, right? So I had to be my whole self had to be inside of that sponge with a couple of handles, like motorcycle handles, and that's how I shook a little a little kids' hands. So it'd be like this, like doing pronated curls, you know, like this, 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 this. so the, the arm would do it like this, like psycho uh, 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 to, 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 to shake the, the little kid's hands. And I'd be like, so, but that would hurt my trap so much doing this, being all crammed up inside that I always wanted to be resting, like doing this, like staying uh, uh, um, straighter without grabbing the handles. So whenever a little kid came and I couldn't see it because only my colleague would say, oh, look, Sponge, there's this little kid who wants to say hello to you. I'd be like, oh, fuck, these kids. Oh, and I would go again and I grab the handles. I'd be like, oh, fuck you, kid. It's like, da, 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 da. so that was one of the worst experiences of my life. And this parent actually was like in five, uh, five meters away from me looking at, at me. And the parent obviously had never watched SpongeBob as well. So he pointed at me and was like, see, kid, this is Mr. Cheese. Because, you know, because the sponge is yellow, right? It's a rectangle, it's yellow, and it's dented. So he's like, see, this is the little cheese. This is a big cheese for you. And I was like, oh, man, I'm not a cheese. I'm SpongeBob. So where was I getting at with this? I have no clue, but I love it. Yeah, no, it's a great story. (laughs) Just keep going. So, Bruno, Bruno, I was asking you about, like, the early, early, your early stunting gigs and what you learned yeah, yeah. I, I remember so so i had lost a, a, all type of discipline uh through uh schedules uh and stuff like that and mostly a stuntman is not a kamikaze a stuntman it's like it's like military work you have to be there you have to shut the hell up you have to listen what you, to what your coordinator wants to say and you might be the best kickboxer in the world uh and we've refused we've blocked people from entering who were excellent martial artists because they just didn't shut up about their uh curriculum so the idea is you got to be almost military in the sense that you have to follow orders you have to be very still you don't have to keep asking for uh appraisal every uh, uh whenever you finish each um, each take, for example, a lot of the youngsters want us to know if it was good. You know, cut, and it's like, was it good? Was it good? If if nobody says anything, shut the fuck up. That's good. If yeah. they say something, listen, okay. And when you listen, you better adapt very quickly because nobody's gonna waste any time because of the stuntman. 
So we're used to being the shadow and we got to be there before time. We got to be there after time. We got to take very good care of the materials and the, the, the equipment, like the mats and the, 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 the boxes. Whenever we have to fill boxes in order to do a high fall, uh, like you see in Jackie Chan's movies, he puts a lot of boxes, you know, it's not mats. It's, it's a lot of boxes to, to uh, support, to, to absorb the fall. So that's one thing that really got me uh, very stressed out in the beginning because I had lost that sense of discipline because I wasn't practicing martial arts for quite a long time and I was only doing these odd jobs. So I guess that was the, the, my major mistake at first. Yeah. Didn't Jackie Chan and all those guys get started in like these, uh, like the Hong Kong Opera Company? And I mean, wasn't that really like the basis for a lot of like what we've seen within these movies? Exactly, Peking Opera School, yep, yep. which was based in Hong Kong, the one uh, from Jack, uh, for Jackie Chan, and it produced a lot of the greatest martial artists in the world and a lot of the best movies, because these guys really had an old school type of training. They had to keep their handstand position against the wall for one hour, otherwise the master would beat the hell out of them. So you can imagine how how tough it was. I would recommend everybody to uh, read uh, Jackie Chan's biography. It's called My Life in Action. I believe it's my life. My life in action. He tells the whole intricacies of the workouts they they would do at 5 a.m. sleeping on the hard floor and be having to be in in a squat like position. You know the mabo, the horse stance for kung fu yeah. for half an hour, stuff like that. That was really really hardcore. But it produced some of the best talents in the world in terms yeah. of action movies. I saw. Um... I don't know if it was a documentary, but it was just really like they went into like the depths and you might know what I'm talking about, but they did like kind of an in-depth deal of the, yeah, it was a Peking opera and uh, like what they bring them in and when they bring these kids in at five years old and they bring them in and like, like the, the training that starts and how it progresses and like the different things they teach them. And it's like, it, it's pretty amazing. I remember um, somebody brought this up the other day back in the eighties, they used to have this thing called Kung Fu theater and it was on Saturdays around like two yeah. o'clock. And they would show these old kung fu movies, and my brothers and I were obsessed with it. Like, we would, like, whatever we were doing, we would go home and watch kung fu theater, because obviously, you know, we're not going to record anything back then. And uh, there was, there was a, our favorite ones were always, like, where, like, the, you know, three disciples show up at, like, the temple, and then they put them into these jobs. And I remember one of the guys had to stir all the food in these big pots, and they gave him a staff, so he learned how to, like, move between it. The other guy, they put a bunch of, like, like weights on his ankles so that he could so learn brothers. to jump. Yeah. And then the other one was, uh, like, it was another one where the guy had to balance, I want to say it was plates, and, like, serve everybody, and he could, like, shoot these plates. And it was kind of the Mr. Miyagi wax on, wax off, where then all of a sudden they're like, we're not learning martial arts. And then they were like, well, show me. And these guys became these badass martial artists because of the skills that they were having to use to, like, stir the soup. And, like, that was, uh, to this day, like, my favorite one that we watched. And I remember thinking, it like, yeah. amazing that you're mentioning that movie. Because one of the major mistakes I've done was based on that movie in terms of me wanting you, to get a higher jumping ability. Do you remember the name of it? Shaolin Temple. It was called Shaolin because Temple. Because there are, there are two Shaolin Temples. There's the one with Jet Li, yep. uh, which you have like a trilogy, a trilogy uh, which is Shaolin Temple 1, 2, and 3, obviously. But those were later on. That was a Shaw Brothers movie with a guy called Alexander Fu Sheng, which was one of those guys that you were talking about. He was a very well-known actor. Uh, in in Hong Kong back in the day, and it it was a Shaw Brothers production movie called The Shaolin Temple, and because of that guy, who they put in that um, 
in that uh, ditch, right? Yeah. They put th those ankle weights yeah. and they yeah. kept adding up. Yeah. And he was jumping the whole day and walking with them and sleeping yeah. with them. And after like a year, he took them off and he jumped very high. Yeah. You can imagine what that does to the teenager's head watching that, right? So Dude, I was like 13 or 14. We did the same thing. Oh, you did the, the same thing? Oh, yeah. Okay. So well, I, well, we tried to do it with our hands uh, punching. So we thought that if we put weights oh. on our hands and put in like weights in the hands and like all these different weights and worked on our punching, we could make our hands faster, which uh, it's like putting ankle, uh, ankle weights. All it does is it screws up your gait and fucks up everything. But yeah, we. But, uh, yeah. but I have a theory about that. You know what? My whole routine was from like 13 to 15 or something. I was always kind of a night owl and I only lived with my mother. My parents were divorced. So my mother would go to bed at like 11 midnight or like, yeah, see you, see you tomorrow, mom. See you tomorrow, mom. So I would do my whole scene, which was, I, I, that's why I was telling you that I was this anti-social kid who really wanted nothing to do with anybody else. I just wanted to be on my own working out and watching the movies. So one of the things I did was hundred pushups every day in my knuckles on uh, um, carpet. And I would, keep adding up to the carpet and uh, uh, ruining my hands a little more. Eventually I would go on concrete on the, on gravel, gravel. Is it called gravel? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Little, little rocks. Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I would do something like a hundred squats, grabbing badly done squats, probably uh, worst form ever, maybe uh, uh, with a backpack on my, uh, in, in the front. And I would always finish with 10 minutes nonstop jumping as if I were in a concert, you know, like jumping, just jumping, trying to jump as high as I could in each attempt for 10 minutes straight. I, I have no idea how I did that. <laughs> I remember being, being, uh, being amazed at myself the first time I actually did the 10 minutes. And then from later on, when I, when I learned, when I, when I found out that I could do the 10 minutes nonstop, I would do every day, 10 minutes without skipping a beat. Uh, obviously the jumps weren't high because after three jumps you're like done and I had ankle weights and I kept adding up the ankle weights. So only later on, like two or three years later, I had discovered plyometrics and I was like, Oh shit, I've been doing this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, the funny thing is I believe that nonsense actually got my tendons tougher. I believe it because I never injured myself and I've had, such stupid falls in which I, I, I tore my whole legs and, 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 and feet and ankles. I believe that the, the stiffness of the tendons was obtained in a, in, in a, in a, in a brutal way with those types of workouts. Well, Could how, that be possible, guys? How old were you? 13 to 15. Yeah, yeah. I would say that it... I think it could be. Yeah, or no, I mean, there's at a, that age. There's just an interesting thing with uh, like tendon strength and like uh, intrinsic, you know, that uh, just folding type of deal where uh, that training and probably what you did in terms of that, like, you know, jumping and all the stuff you did in terms of, you know, uh, like you said, like rigidity within the tendons. I mean, like you still see it with uh, gymnasts and people that do that type of movements, which is interesting because now here you are in your 30s and you can still do this stuff. Um, dude, there was, uh, one other movie we saw and I can't remember, but they, um, they trained him without sight. I don't know if you remember this one, but there was a whole deal. I, it, it must've been, it wasn't the same movie, but it was a different one we saw where they trained him without sight, where these guys had to learn to fight with blindfolds. So when we would go to karate, they had a back room that, uh, had like punching bags and different stuff. So we would go in there and turn the lights off. 
And then there'd be like three or four of us just running around the room, sucker punching each other. And like you put one dude in the middle and we would all kind of get to the end, turn the lights off and it was a fucking free for all. Like, and then we turn the lights on when somebody was screaming or crying and we'd be like, Oh, we got to train without sight. But like, <laughs> the amount of stupid shit that we did in response to watching these Shaolin, we're like, wow, that's a great idea. We'll learn to train without sight. And then like some dude would come out with like a black eye and a bloody nose and be like, oh, well, I guess that didn't work out. Like, we'll try it next week. And oh, uh, I did so many stupid stuff that that that's amazing. Yeah, I actually, I never went for the blindfolded stuff. Only once that I saw something out of uh, uh, Paris-Bercy, you know, in, in Paris, they have this uh, demo every year. Um, which I was honored to go uh, once, and it was one of my lifetime dreams. Uh, and uh, I saw this guy doing a, a jumping wheel kick. Uh, another guy was standing on top of a chair. You know, the guy was tall, with with a, a pen, a huge pen, like a, a silver-looking pen. You know, to get a little bit more more uh, visibility in his mouth. And the guy was with was uh, uh, with uh, a band in his in his eyes, so it was. Uh, um, you couldn't see obviously and he, the other guy had a little bell that he would ring next to the pen so that the guy would feel where where it was <laughs> so it was like and then, and then he did that whole thing in which he misses the first one i believe it was on purpose you know to get the crowd excited like oh, oh my god you know like <laughs> and then he went for the second one and he did it and i was like yes i gotta try that one so i remember being in my grandparents house and i put a sock because that's what I had handy on top of my mother's head. And I was like, mom, don't worry. And she was like, Bruno, Bruno. And I was like, mom, do not worry. I practice this for a living. Of course, I wheel kicked her head off. And he was like, ah, yeah, stupid ass. And I was like, oh, no. So I remember doing that. It was so, so stupid. Because, you know, I, I think I could do it with my eyes open, but blindfolded or closing my eyes, that, don't do that young kids that are listening to this don't do that ever yeah. again <laughs> well uh, there's a reason uh they have all the a uh, bunch of the old kung fu movies on netflix and so like if the kids are like uh you know like during covid when uh, we kind of had this funny rotation where everybody got to pick a show and like i had to watch like all these like descendants and like it's just the worst shit i ever had to see and uh, Ugh, oh, uh the movie the, the one with george clooney no nah, the, the descendants is like this like kind of like uh 13 to 15 year old like magic like i don't know weird fantasy show and then there was like a horse one just awful oh, shows okay. um that my kids wanted to watch and then i would come on i'd be like i put in like kung fu and i'd make them watch these like 80s kung fu things and i'd look over <laughs> within 10 minutes they're like like sleeping or laying there i'm like yeah this is great stuff i had to watch your garbage watch this but yeah i, <laughs> I, I love watching that yeah people are nowadays are, are not really accustomed to that type of speed actually in, in the movies i mean it's uh, the 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 older movies are way calmer uh, and uh, not as as much cuts and even the fights are way too um, um are way too wide angle you know because the performers were so good that you could go you could watch everything in a wide angle their whole uh, their whole bodies doing the the work and it will look very well. But nowadays you got guys like I mean no, no pun intended, but we got guys like Matt Damon doing Born Identity. Obviously he's not a martial artist, so you really have to go close with him oh, and yeah. use and a lot of camera yeah. angles. Yeah. Well the uh, the other one too was um, like Jackie Chan's movies, like um, what was it like uh, the Legend of the Drunken Boxing? Is still one of my other favorites of the Jackie the drunk, Chan. Drunken Master. Yeah, Drunken, drunken Master. Master. Yeah, where he does the Drunken yeah. Boxing. 
that to me is still yeah, one of exactly. my favorites. Yeah, some yeah, of the, but the uh, the interesting thing, and this is the one that kind of trips me out a little bit, is um, like you get into like the whole like high wire deal with uh, the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and like those guys uh-huh. were so good, but just the quality and the speed, and then having to realize that there was no movie magic, that like this is what these guys were doing. There was no green screen. There was like none of the stuff. Like this is legitimately what they were doing, and it was cut in. And so that's the that's most impressive. Why- that's why I don't like the new ones. I, I don't even like Ip Man, to be very honest. And I know a lot of people are going to hate me for saying this. It's not that it's a bad movie. I agree with you on it's that. It's not my speed. It's a lot of wire work. It's a lot of, I don't, I mean, I can deal with the fantasy of the fights. Obviously, nobody fights like Jackie Chan in the street, not even Bruce Lee. Obviously, it's staged. It's a fight choreography. But whenever you jump what a human being can do, for example, if you start doing guys flying around the stage, I'm done. I don't want to see that. Uh, so even though Jackie Chan's fights are way too fantastical, uh, it's, it's his jumps. It's not a wire pulling him. But ever, ever since the 98, 99 or, or 2000s up, even he is doing a lot of wire work and the Ipmans, it's a lot of wire work. And all the fights that you see nowadays, it's really, I don't know, I, I I like to participate in them, but I don't like watching them. I'm not a fan of those. I prefer the 80s movie fights. They were much um, cleaner, and they showed the prowess, the physical prowess that a lot of these guys are able to do. I love that. So where are we going to rank Rush Hour in the Jackie Chan filmography? Mm. One not or even two. top ten. One or two. I mean, because he came into the scene. What was his big U.S. breakthrough? Was it Rumble in the Bronx? Like not, yeah, uh, no, like, that did not like work. The no. cult following, but then like what what propelled him up into like that A list kind of level? Well, he was like uh, I I mean I want to say he was like the number one action star in all of Asia uh, with his uh, uh, exactly you know, his fight crew, and then they brought him over, and I, it wasn't the one with Owen Wilson where they were cowboys. No, the Shanghai, Shanghai uh, Rush Hour no, that was, was that before that. I'm pulling up IMDb yeah. right now. Yeah, Rush Hour was the one that catapulted him into stardom, into worldwide stardom, but he was already a... A, a, a huge star. A huge yeah, star yeah. In, in Asia yeah. ever since US, 1977 right? or 78, mm-hmm. but not in the U.S. They tried it with... Cannon, uh, he was in Cannonball Run 2, I guess, with Burt Reynolds. Oh. But he had a... a he had a very little cameo, and then he was in the big uh, brawl. Wasn't he? To do uh, they had the Japanese dudes that were in like the night vision car. You remember? Wasn't that him? Exactly. He was one of those Japanese yeah. guys. Yeah. So he didn't even play a Chinese guy. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He played it a was, Japanese yeah, guy. So it's like, oh, you guys look the same. Let's go. It's like, oh my goodness. Oh, so yeah. nowadays, and, if you would do that, is, oh, oh. and the best is they turn all the lights on, and then they're like, like the pop up head screen is like in night vision, and they're like, oh, and they blow past the uh, the cops, and the cops are like looking at each other because the car is all stealth. God, I totally forgot he was in that. Probably unrelated, but, uh, you know, one of the things, it's not that unrelated. It's talking about Asians being, you know, putting a Chinese guy doing the, 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 the role of a, of a Japanese guy. Big trouble Nowadays, we have, what? So I love big, that movie. Oh, yeah. man. Kurt Russell. One of the best. Um, yeah, one yeah, of the best. So good. And, Look at Chris, uh, um, Chris just actually, I 
it's for, I've, he's I've, I've never I mean, seen the. <laughs> he's glowing. It's like he fell in love. Like he met <laughs> the love of his life. He's glowing. <laughs> no, no, he's glad because he remembered one kung fu movie, which is not a kung fu movie, by the way. Tex. Ah, uh, dude. <laughs> uh, to to this day, my favorite part. <laughs> the only no rush hour. Is, the only no rush what, hour. Is when I'm the guy goes, oh, and then he just like <laughs> expands and explodes. That was uh, I. I don't know why his kids. Uh, that scene of when he's like and just explodes. We used to rewind and watch that and laugh hysterically. Uh, like that was our favorite part. With the cool going back to the fight scenes as well with movies and special effects. Like they had to create like this blowing up person. If you remember Total Recall and the thing starring Kurt Russell, they created. They made all these models of all this craziness versus just like computers. Yeah, CGI. CGI. Uh, yeah. Well, I, uh, what I, what I was uh, one of the things that bothers me the most nowadays is you how are uh, we are starting to have a lot of rules on the set, which is which is good. You know, you always have stuff like uh, you can't take pictures, you can't send anything to anybody before they they, they get released. I get those rules, but now we're trying to get meritocracy out of the way because of political correctness. And one of the things that happens in the stunt world that would actually be an eye opener for most people is. Uh, we used to do something called painting down or wigging. Wigging is when a stunt man portrays a woman because there's no woman in sight to do certain stunts. So you put a wig and you pretend to be the woman, for example, driving a car. And we've done that quite a while. I, I was, a, I was a, a woman getting hit by a car many a time. Okay. <laughs> in Portugal, we still kind of do that. But in the U.S., you can't do that anymore. And the same thing with painting down, which is I've done a lot of uh, commercials, TV commercials for Angola. So they paint me brown, right, to look like a black guy because the actor is doing something. And I want to portray the actor doing a fall, whatever. But nowadays, you cannot do that. You cannot do that. So there was this one incident in a movie. I don't remember which one, but it wasn't. I think it was one of the Avengers movies or, or uh, one of those superhero movies uh, in which they needed a black girl that was very like very good with motorcycles. I don't know how many women are good with motorcycles, much less black girls. I mean, it's very difficult to find those, but they could not get the best one for the job and paint them down or wig them or do both if it were a guy. So the stunt woman that they chose was an African-American descent, obviously, and killed herself, right. went uh, towards a... Uh, 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 I, don't th- I don't know if it was a wall or it was like a story. She went against the story and she killed herself. So it was like, man, these restrictions nowadays make me crazy. Please get the best person for the job. Uh, and uh, as a stuntman, I, I, I would say that I'm not a, a, a very good driver. So if anybody, if anybody comes along, even if I look the part a little bit better than that person, but if that person's a better driver than me, obviously he or she is going to do it and not just because he looks more like the character, much less because of political correctness. So that's one of the things that I'm uh, I'm getting to be a little bothered about, about that. Nowadays. Well, I think it's because the consequences are tr- like life or death in, in such a high-risk role, right? Where Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, it would be, it seems silly that does seem like a silly niche. Like, you know, it certainly is the exception, I think, in like a broader kind of social reform. Uh, like, the, I understand Woke. the global intent, right? Woke. Like yeah. the global intent, but that is like, there is an example of the consequences of doing a broad brush and avoiding the nuance. Where, I mean, man, Bruno, you're right. Like, 
you want to give the person you want to give it to the person who has will like provide number one. Can we get the most representative uh, caricature of the actor who's supposed to be doing this stuff, right? And then number two, the highest survivability of completing it, like has the skill, uh, you know, the very specific skills that are required to perform a stunt. Man, I'm and more that, amazed that uh, that they would that the stunt woman who was doing it would get on. Like, I mean, uh, like. You know, hey, we want to do, and I, I think I know the stunt you're talking about. It was in, um, wasn't it in Black Panther, where they're like riding the motorcycles? Uh, I don't think it was Black Panther. It was something else. I got to ask my coordinator. He knows all these those movies by heart. I'm not really a huge fan, so I don't I don't really know. I got to be honest. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. It was one with with the. It was one in which the lead. Is a female hero oh, of some sorts. Deadpool, Deadpool. Either two. Wonder Woman or something like that. I don't think it was Wonder Woman. It was no, one of those. Dead, one of those. Deadpool two. Did you find out? No. Yeah. What's it? Oh, 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 oh! It was. Yeah the the sidekick woman Domino. Mm-hmm. That was the mm-hmm. that was the role. Oh okay. Oh, oh okay. Did you find the? Yeah. Sweet. Oh yeah. Uh, do you remember Domino? Her uh, her mutant power was luck. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, "There's no way," and she's just like parachutes into the thing, dude. Fall like, yeah, yeah, that was great. I'm like, actually, I think the best superpower would just be amazing luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the death ruled accidental, so the yeah. movie was fined and yeah, yeah, consequences. Yeah, so but... it's one of those uh, jobs in which uh, you actually see to an extreme level how bad this is because in other jobs maybe nobody's going to get hurt other than fired or something but here um you do get to see people getting hurt and um well it's 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 really stupid but um yeah but i love being a stuntman and i love the 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 fact that um it helped me get a, a a sense of action and how to shoot action and how to uh how to not really care about how it looks other than on video. Mm -hmm. And that takes quite a while for you to learn because sometimes you're looking as a stunt coordinator, you're looking at the people fighting and trying to make sure that they're safe. But if you do that, you're missing what's going on in the camera and that's really what matters. Mm -hmm. So just yesterday I was shooting a scene and I was coordinating um, uh, a woman beating up two guys with a crowbar so the crowbar was an actual crowbar so nobody had the money to actually prop a crowbar so those are the types of problems that we have here in portugal every every once in a while so when she's doing the the arm bars so she's doing a, sort of an arm bar to the guy uh with a crowbar and i'm always worried that she might do it so fast that she might get hit with a crowbar and that that's that's just really heavy so I was, um, so I was trying to keep an eye either on the screen and on the the, the woman doing this thing, the scene with the guy. So we managed to do it all right, but I was. It's difficult to be in in two places at the same time, if you know what I mean. And I remember uh, this movie which we were shooting in Angola, calling the Jinga. Uh, what is it called? The Jinga Queen, in which you get like extras. You didn't even get stuntmen. You get extras to do a whole epic fight scene. But try to look for extras in Angola. You get like 100 the first day, and the second day you get like 50. So you got to keep refreshing uh, your extras, your tribes, your tribes people to fight with. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were getting the extras in shape and putting them in a single line and doing stuff like uh, uh, 
uh, I don't know, jab, cross, and then the, the, the duck, and then, the, the, you know, some, some basic fighting stuff so that they, whenever we would shoot, they would be ready for, for the scene. And uh, some of the guys, you know, like three or four guys, every once in a while would disappear and they would go and smoke those pots that they get from the woods. Some of those guys would go and take a shit like five meters away from us. And I was like, what the fuck are you Wait, doing? They would man? smoke, <laughs> smoke what? Pods from the woods? Pots like, uh, it's called the uh, liemba in, in Angola. It's called liemba. It's pots. It's uh, oh. a weed. Yeah, pots. Okay. Yeah. Marijuana. Uh, some of those guys would pick sticks from the floor and start eating the sticks. And I was like, what the hell, man? What the hell is going on here? And uh, my, my son coordinator, David, David Chan, who I mentioned before, he, he, he had this brilliant idea to put all those extras since they were so many, we wanted them to be apart from each other. So like doing a chess with them, you know, like the first one goes, the second one stays, the third one goes, uh, just two steps in front. And so he was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Who was born here from the 1st of January, January till the 16th of July will step, will give two steps ahead. And everybody would go in. It's like, oh, now who was born in 16th of July from 16th of July till 31st of December? Two steps, two steps uh, back. And everybody would go, it's like, this is not working, is it? They don't even know when they were born, guys. Come on. So it's, it was really difficult times. And the last day of the training, speaking of the props, uh, that was that was what I was getting at. Uh, speaking of the props, the last day of the shoot, uh, of, of the sorry of the of the uh, the rehearsals for the shoot, the prop team brings me the spears, and they said, "Okay, these are the props," and I get them, and they're real spears. So I'm like, "You're what? like these aren't props; these are weapons." <laughs> yeah, those are weapons. They were really sharp, you know, like spears. And I was like, "You want them to kill themselves? These are like a hundred guys who I've only worked them out for like." One day, two at the tops because they keep disappearing. They go to the bathroom every five minutes. They start eating stuff from the floor. They're they're pissing all over the place. And now you're asking me to, to go and shoot fight choreography scenes with guys who can't even see each other because of it's it's uh, the fight. It's gonna be on on those high weeds, you know, those high weeds like corn cornfields and stuff like that. And they're gonna be with spears looking for the other mates to start fighting. And I'm like, oh man, it's. It could have gone so wrong. I'm glad it didn't. Or it so have, right. Or so right. Yeah. Like everybody would kill themselves. Yeah. You're like, you, you see everybody dead. You're like, okay. And you start running. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a story in, in Rocky four. Cause you had the Ivan Drago. This is his first movie, not accustomed to acting or fighting or anything or like not real boxing. And he let loose on Carl Weathers and was like going after trying not to to punch him in the face but actually it was like bodying up on him Whoa. and Carl Weathers just sat in his trailer for 2 days and Sly had to go in and coax him out for the scene. He didn't uh, didn't he hit Sly and put him in the hospital for 2 weeks? Oh and then when in the big fight when the they were in Russia versus yeah. yeah popped in the side and something that went on where he almost died yeah yeah he was in the hospital for two weeks and like uh, uh i think he was a fucking liver shot he hit him with like this left in the liver and you yeah. see stallone and they actually have this the um i think they have this shot in the movie they better you see the anguish and uh i guess stallone <laughs> went down and they fucking had to take him out and it was two weeks in a hospital with like a, a bruised liver yeah almost which, died 
if you've ever been in a, um, in a fight and taken a legitimate liver shot, uh, it's uh, like no other pain you've ever had. <laughs> what's the, Bruno, what's the worst, like, F up on your stunt experience in a movie? And did it make the movie? F up, huh, Tex? So we're going PG, huh? <laughs> well, we are. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, I'm not. Well, I didn't get the memo. <laughs> I crossed that line like a million times already. Power Athlete Nation, what's happening? This is Luke. Before we get going any further, I want to announce to you that we are offering the chance of a lifetime. We have the gift that just keeps on giving and and that's right. At the Power Athlete Shop, if you purchase a gift certificate of $75 or more, you will automatically be entered to win a life-changing coaching experience from John Wellborn, Tex McQuilkin, and the Power Athlete Block One Coaching Network, well in excess of $3,000. The package includes a 360-degree initial assessment, 10 live coaching sessions, custom programming, custom nutrition to support your training and your goals. This is life-changing. You can take it and you can use it. Or, hey, maybe you give this as a gift. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to learn more about what we have going on, winners are going to be announced on Christmas. So, head to the link in the show notes or go to pahq.co slash miracle. Back to it. Um, F-ups. Well, uh... I would say we didn't have huge F-ups, thank God, right? I mean, the, everything went okay. I mean, we've gotten hurt. There's this car hit, in which I put every once in a while, I put I put it on on uh, Instagram and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, that 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 was hurtful. That was hurtful. It, it, it wasn't an F-up, but almost because, you know, things that you don't even realize matter during those time, those times. So I was going to do a car hit. I was going to get hit by a car. My colleague was my, my fellow stuntman was going to drive the car. It was a brand new car. It was a, a total shame, but you never have to do the car hit only, you know, it's, it's never just one thing. It's never just like, okay, we're going to get hit by a car. Oh, cool. I'm going to get ready for that mentally. Right. But the characters in this TV show, and the character who was gonna die, so the, the one I was uh, stunt doubling for, he had done a huge heart on the floor with flowers. And on that heart, uh, in between each flower that was assembling that heart for the girl, for the for his, his love interest in the, in, the, in the TV show, they would have a, a fire. So it's like a, a, a heart made out of fire that was huge. And he was on the center of it. So he was like, showing her this big surprise and the other girl who i don't know loved him or something and if he wasn't with her she would not have him anyway she she would not uh, she wouldn't want him to go and live anymore so she she was gonna uh, hit him with the car so he was in inside that uh, that big heart uh, of fire when he was going to get hit by a car. So only, I, I only find that out when I get to the, to the plateau, to the, to the, to the place where I'm going to shoot. So it's like, fuck man. <laughs> Is there anything else you guys want to tell me about? Oh, and the car did not have manual. Um, what do you call it? Manual gearing gears, manual gears. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge <laughs> difference when you get hit by a car, if you get auto gears or manual gears, 
Why? Because one of the things that we do, one of the things that we do when we get hit by cars, if you want to be really, really explosive and dangerous, and if you want to make it look like the character, character died because of that car hit, we run against the car, we take off, we give our backs to the windshield, and as soon as we hit the car, the car starts speeding up a little more. So it goes for like, uh, if I say it in kilometers, will you guys? Uh, sure. Yeah. So it goes like 30 or 40 kilometers, maybe 50. Uh, steady. And when I jump to the car, it goes to like 70 or 80. So we really need that speeding up as soon as I hit the car in order to, for me to roll to the top of to the hood, to the top of the car, or, um, or um, jump over the car, which was what I was looking for. So I'm in the middle of that heart. I'm in the middle of that heart of, of a fire. The car is coming. Oh, I'm all pumped up because I slapped myself like 10 times in the face. I was like, I'm going to fuck myself up in this one because I'm, I'm, I'm addicted to that adrenaline, uh, adrenaline thing. And uh, oh, and my colleague knows that I love the scene from uh, um, Any Given Sunday, the, 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 the speech that Al Pacino gives in the, in the locker room. So he gave me that in his iPhone. Inches. Yeah, inches. Yeah, yeah. The inches we need are all around us, and I'm like, oh, man, bring me the fucking car. I want that fucking car. I'm going to fuck up that fucking car. So I'm inside of that. I'm inside of that uh, that heart, and as soon as uh, as soon as the car comes, I jump to the car. And when I jump to the car, instead of him being able to speed up at once, you know, because of the manual shifts, no, it's an automatic shift. So as soon as it hits me, it kind of stumbles a little, a little bit and doesn't go right. It doesn't go all out right away. So I still roll to the hood of the car. I lose myself. I have no idea where I am. And I'm like, I'm not staying here. And I push myself out of the out of the roof of the car and I fall exactly on my head. So I'm like, oh, and I really fall on my head. And I'm like, oh, oh, I think it went okay. And then it's like cut. And I'm like, I can't see anything. I get up very slowly and then I see everything just twilighting and like, oh, 70s disco. Wow, spectacular. <laughs> and uh, I still gave like an interview or two for the, one of those uh, backstage uh, TV shows that we have in Portugal. Uh, but then I was like, okay, guys, I'm not feeling very well. I feel like I'm going to vomit or something. So if you don't mind, I want to be uh, I want to be taken to the hospital just to make sure everything's okay. So they had me stay like one day in the hospital. And uh, after that one day, they wanted me to stay one other. And I was like, no, 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 screw this. I always get the room with the guy who's like crapping himself like from every five <laughs> minutes. And I always see penises and asses and shit. I don't want to see that shit anymore. I don't care. I might have a concussion. I'm going I'm going home. I'm not going to stay here for, for much longer. So, yeah, that was, I mean, that that's a torque converter. Yeah. It, uh, so like um, uh, when when uh, when you put in like a clutch is engaged, when you put a you know your foot on the gas because the clutch is locked in and engaged, it goes. But with a uh, automatic, when you put it in, there's that uh, moment of hesitation within exactly, the torque converter yeah. that. Yeah. So so yeah, I didn't get to fly uh, over the, 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 the car. I, I went onto the roof. So it was much. Uh, so, so I did they do it in one take. Did you have to do more takes? No, no, no. It was one take. Everybody was like, oh. so they got the shot. They got, the they shot. got the shot. It's really brutal. It's really brutal. <laughs> I, I can show you the car hit. It's really brutal. It's like, oh, yes. Yeah, yes. E so gonna... Even me, when I look at it, it's like, oh my goodness, I, I don't want to do that shit ever again. I did that for the paycheck. Yeah. I didn't do that for yeah, love. Yeah. No, that's not love. That's paycheck. No, I don't want to do it mm -hmm. anymore. Like 600 euros. Fuck, fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Plus taxes. I got like 400 yeah. euros out of that stuff, which is like $430. <laughs> so yeah. go figure. Yeah. I almost killed myself. Yeah, the, fuck, uh, <laughs> the fucking EU took 60, you know, 60% of everything. You're like, oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So- <laughs> Bruno, you, you've got, uh, I mean, you're a part of like this, this subculture of stuntmen and you know, behind the scenes, like that, what, like you were talking about, uh, Matt Damon and Jason Bourne, right? Like you, you look at the movie magic, you know how the editing gives them so much margin for error. So it's almost like this career has kind of ruined modern action flicks for you, right? Because like you're used to the purity of like, in, in the purity of the job. And you, so what movies do you think that maybe like the modern movie viewer are watching you're like, and think are so awesome? And you just watch these things, you're like, this is a garbage, this is a dumpster fire of action. Like, this is Hot all movie garbage. magic. Um, is it everything these days? Or is there still something that has like the heritage of the true action film, in your opinion? The action has gotten better in a lot of, in a, in a huge sense. I mean, if you watch John Wick, which I hate. Yeah. I, I got to be honest. Like I hate John Wick because I, I'm, I'm addicted to good stories. And that's not a good story. Come on. You killed my puppy. I'm going to kill 100 guys. It's like, oh, man, come on. Give me a break. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't like the movie, but I love the action. So, yeah. so I, yeah, I can I can understand that. Okay. Well, I, yeah. I'll say this, that, that the plot was a little hazy. Like, I mean, you know, I get the revenge plot. But what I appreciated in the two and the three is they started backfilling a little bit more of like, who he is and where he came from and, you know, the fact that he was, you know, some trained assassin within the Russian mob and how it yeah. all kind of works. And yeah. I, I appreciated the, the backstory, but the fight choreograph or choreography it's is amazing. incredible because the and director the is he uses a, a pistol, like a, like a punch. Yeah. Like that blows yeah. my mind. Yeah. No, the, the action is, 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 is quite good nowadays. And uh, I mean, it's very good nowadays. It's amazing nowadays. Uh, even though it's not really my type of action, but John Wick actually and the, the, the types of fighting they do in John Wick and that movie Raid Redemption as well, uh, which is a Filipino movie, which is, uh, or Indonesian or Filipino, I don't remember. But it's, it was a great movie in which they have like this huge heist that keeps going on and they have amazing fights. Uh, I mean, no, no, no. The action is, is spot on. It's just a new flavor other than the others uh, from before. But it's really... It's it's tough to go with me to the movies because whenever there's a fight scene, I'm always saying stuff like, like very. I'm always saying stuff like very low. Like uh, for example, if 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 uh, hit doesn't connect, I'm gonna go like oh, shit. <laughs> and if it if it connects, if it looks like a great hit and a great reaction, I go like good. Okay, good. Okay, good. So it's like it's like I'm yeah. It's like I'm uh. It's like I'm You're assessing. It. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just pick a random fight scene. Well, like there's Fast Five between The Rock and Oh, Vin how do you feel about the Fast and Furious movies? <laughs> oh my goodness, I can't watch that shit. Ah, I yes. cannot watch that. I hate it. I These hate Portuguese it. Portuguese stuntmen don't know anything about. <laughs> uh, I cannot. God damn it! But I, I'm the not, Jason. I'm not the, the red. The Jason yeah. Statham fight with with The Rock in Hobbs and Shaw. I I, I just Fantastic. can't. I just can't watch it. Ugh, you guys don't know anything. I mean. The Rock is great. Don't get me wrong, but I, there's not one movie that that guy has made that's good. You know, I, I, do you think so? Walking Tall. <laughs> Walking Tall is, is great. actually is not a bad yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, I'm like his modern stuff. I'm with you, Bruno. Like it is. Uh, 
Like it's just the rock movies. It's uh, not be cool. He was great. Uh, he was oh, yeah. probably well, he acted. <laughs> yeah. He actually had to act and do a part and had a great like so he I think what uh, he he cut his teeth in the wrestling WWE, like his ability to sell a character. I mean, it's kind of like, um, it's always, uh, and this is a compliment. It's always nice to have somebody on the podcast who does this often kind of like we do, because it's a really easy banter. Whereas we've had people on that have really never done a podcast and they don't understand kind of the give and the take. But I think for like the rock coming off of the WWE and all that he did, he was like worked his character so much. So you see something and be cool. It works. Whereas now he's just kind of in these like, I don't know where you're like you're watching like that Hobbs and Shaw thing was so awful. I th- like my kids wanted to go see oh. it. We saw it, and I was like, I like I appreciate the action, but at some point you're like I like the the realm of reality just gets fucking bent. Right. I will give him props for Jumanji, where you're forced to act like I, another actor. Yeah, like Danny <laughs> Jumanji. <laughs> no, no, no. To me, Jumanji is Robin Williams. Sorry, guys. I don't know. I don't. Oh, well, yeah, it, no. Like like Baywatch. Yeah. If if somebody if if I'm talking about Baywatch, I'm talking about Mitch Buchanan. I'm talking about David Asselhoff. I'm not talking about The Rock yeah. and that other guy, Zach Efron, with that stupid documentary now. No, 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 no. I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about Mitch. Bring me my Mitch and Hobie here's, here's and where, Pamela. Where I'm worried. What? The The Rock. It's announced. <laughs> That The Rock is going to replace Kurt Russell in Big Trouble in Little China. Well, no, no. See, I, I hate that. No, don't do that. Don't do that, please. I, I hate remakes, man. Just I hate remakes. Movie. There's certain movies. Dude, it, it was like when they remade Point Break. Ugh. They should not have called it fucking Point Break. There's it wasn't a bad movie, but the fact that they labeled it Point Break. Now, in general, I do have to say I agree with you all on remakes. There's got to be exceptions, though. And, like, the number one that's coming is, like, the, the Batman, like, the iterations of Batman. Yeah. So, like... That's uh, not a remake. Um, that's not a that's remake. That's not a remake, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what delineates a remake versus, like, a new universe? Does, can you only do that in the comic book movies what? where you go from, like, the Tim Burton to the Christopher Nolan? When it's exactly the same story. I mean, one that bothers me. Lethal Weapon TV series. Come on, guys. Give me a break. Lethal Weapon <laughs> even, TV series. I didn't know they had that. Fuck those. I mean, I, bring me Mel Gibson. I love Mel Gibson, man. Mel Gibson is such a badass. He doesn't get enough yeah, credit. Yeah. Mel Gibson is a badass. Tom Cruise is a badass. And he's not, only yeah. now getting the credit that he deserves. I think he should have won the Oscar for the best uh, best actor in uh, Born on the Fourth of July or Jerry Maguire. Ooh, hot take. Jerry Maguire. Take. Amazing. Uh, I actually really liked him in Far and Away. Oh, Far and Away is very one of good. My favorites. Yeah. Yeah, the way where he plays the Irish boxer. Yeah, with Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Yeah, with Nicole Kidman. I think I've got a Tom Cruise movie I got to watch. You've never I seen? I don't know if oh, I've seen Oh, dude, Life. it's it's great. Like, I celebrate the man's whole collection. Uh, yeah, no, that was one of my favorites for him. I mean, but uh, Days in, or Days of Thunder is another one, Top Gun. But uh, the one thing I respect about Tom Cruise is he has it written in that he will do his own stunts yep. and wants to learn to do it. So he wants to learn mm-hmm. to fly the plane. He wants to ride the motorcycle and all those crazy ass Mission Impossible. He's like, I'm not gonna, um, I'm not gonna do the movie unless I get to do the stunts. No, no, I, the guy I, dude, is I, I amazing. That. And uh, since he's stood the, the test of time now people are starting to get to, to him and saying no no no, he's good because people used to say that he was rubbish he was no good because we went on that uh teenage heartthrob uh uh line you know with the, the cocktails and the top guns and whatnot and uh guys like brad risky Pitt, business risky business yeah, like risky business guys, and then um what was the color of money with color uh, money with, with the human yeah, yeah. Yeah, based on a, the gambler. The, uh, yeah, that's a great yep. movie. Great movie. One of yeah, excellent. Uh, and uh, I love all the right moves as well with Chris Penn. And <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you guys know that one, dude. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the high school football one. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Him doing the push-ups in the room with listening to the to the tunes like he made all the right moves. Oh, you guys, you guys want to hear something very funny? I think it's very fun. I think it's funny. My girlfriend, every once in a while, she's cooking and stuff like that, and I, I like to uh, spook her. So one of these days she was cooking. <laughs> One of these days she was cooking or she was doing something and, and I, I popped out of the blue and I was like, I'm smoking, going down the road. She was like, oh. <laughs> I was singing your tunes, man. And everywhere I go. Nice, man. A little <laughs> she was like, oh, you're yeah. stupid awesome. Dude, that's, uh, yeah, man, that's, uh, yeah. Kyle, yeah, Kyle Turley. It's, yeah, dude, that, yeah. No, it's awesome. Whenever I listen to your podcast, I'm always I, I, that that song is 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 uh, glued to my head for like one day. It's great. <laughs> yeah, no. it's a little it's a little toe tapper, little head bopper. I love I that song. It. Well, uh, Kyle actually has one of my favorite, which is um, "Fortune and Pain." That's like my favorite song for him. And uh, every time I hear it comes on or I have it on a playlist, I like screen cap it and I send to it to him. So he's always like, "Oh, dude, I got to get new music." I'm like, "I'm happy with new music." But the old music fucking rocks. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm so ha, uh, has any like major um, motion picture Hollywood deal come through Portugal that you guys have worked for, like Mission Impossible or any of these other things where all of a sudden you looked and you're like, holy shit, this is a, you know, A-list movie that we're doing action for? Yeah. Or do they bring their own stunt people with them? Yeah, I got a small part in the, the Hitman's Bodyguard with Samuel Jackson and Ryan Reynolds. You know, the one? Oh. Yeah. In a great chase scene, actually, I was very proud to be part of it, but I didn't do much. I was, uh, I was the, but it was shot in Amsterdam, so I went to Amsterdam for uh, four weeks or four to six weeks. I don't remember. And uh, uh, Samuel Jackson actually steals my speedboat. I'm a speedboat owner. He steals my speedboat. He he takes off, and I was holding a a, a case of champagne bottles. Uh, on top of my speedboat, and when he when he uh, when he drives, I fall backwards onto the Amsterdam Canal. So I, I think I might have I might have gotten COVID way before time because I felt like it probably was a lot of other things. If it was in the Amsterdam Canal, you know, I fell like forty something times to the to the to the water. Ugh. Actually, it was a funny story because there was the one of the producers was one of the guys who produced uh, Pulp Fiction. I have no idea his name. But he was like the one guy in a suit that talked like that had, had this great uh, chatting voice, like Richard Dreyfus, very very smooth talker. And he was like, "Oh, you're that poor fellow that fell on the water." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> thank you, sir, thank you." And I was like, "Oh, this guy is a producer for Pulp Fiction. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get to be such a star." So the next day, the guy remembered me because I fell so many times on the water that he was like feeling sorry for me. And his um, his girl, his um, his daughter was eating an ice cream. So I, I saw a young girl with him. So he was like, oh, hello, this, this is Katie. So he was introducing Katie. He was introducing his daughter to me. And I was like, she, was, she must have been like 13 years old or something. And she was eating an ice cream. And, and I was like, oh, hello. And, and he was like, and this is, and I'm like, oh, Bruno, nice to meet you. So I don't remember or I didn't remember that you guys in the US, you shake hands, right? But we in Portugal give two kisses. So I'm going to give two kisses to this girl and she drops the ice cream and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy's like, the guy looks at me, looks at her and he goes, all right, Bruno, 
way to go for it, huh? <laughs> Did you kiss him too? And, and I'm like, no, I was like, oh shit, I'm not going to Hollywood anymore. I'm like, sorry, I'm from Portugal. And in Portugal, we give two kisses. And he was like, okay, enough of that. And he turns away and I'm like, okay, my shot here is done. I'm like, oh, oh, no. Oh, so it was ruined forever. You know, made it worse. One minute later, that idiot Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> I'm kidding, of course, I like him. Uh, Ryan Reynolds came and the guy introduced his daughter to Ryan Reynolds and he did it all perfectly. He was like, hello, Katie, how's it going? How are you liking Amsterdam so far? Are you in school? And I'm like, oh, that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, an idiot. that son of a bitch. Yeah, that's Goddamn son of Canadians. a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Canadians. Stupid matters we have in Portugal. Why do we give two kisses? Ah, now we can't anyways. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, now you know for next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you never you never uh, greet people with uh, I, I've seen I've seen some American people give one kiss as a greeting to girls right to women on yeah, the lips yeah, that's that's a normal thing it's more of a lick on the cheek I think just like a big face lick like Rick James oh oh mm. is that right that's oh, another one oh. yeah 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 that's that's really become the standard here so when you come to America or you meet Americans <laughs> yeah. big face lick right on the side like from ear to the you know from chin to ear it'd be really funny if I really did that it's like oh hello. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, what the fuck is this guy doing? Oh, he's You're like, what? This, uh, I heard it we, on a podcast. <laughs> we heard this is the greeting in America. <laughs> I heard it on Joe Rogan. <laughs> right, right, right. Sorry, it was the DMT. <laughs> oh, he's Portuguese. Don't mind him. It's, it's their cousin. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What else we got? Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm excited for the. Uh, we talked about power athlete potentially coming into Portugal, which mm. I thought would be a blast. So I'm, I uh, I definitely think that's a funny idea. I just wonder uh, if uh, what we do in this brand of strength and conditioning uh, is you know like how far is a place like Portugal and Spain? I mean, because we, we taught a number of seminars in Spain, mm-hmm. uh, never in Portugal. I wonder is like. Um, uh, you know, we saw that kind of in Europe. Like they were probably what, like five, maybe plus years behind where the yeah, U.S. market was. Yeah, like five to ten, even. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I wonder if, like, you know, we do come and we're able to go rocket. I wonder if we can get some people out there and hopefully uh, infect them with a little bit of power athlete humor and f- methodology. I think for sure some people would. I mean, some. I, I, I have no idea the numbers, but I think uh, a lot of people, especially, and well, let's let's be honest here. You've been. Uh, associated with the brand CrossFit. And a lot of people now uh, in Portugal are doing CrossFit. So when they hear John Wellborn, they first associate you to the CrossFit brand for sure, even though that's not the case right now, obviously. Uh, So I'm thinking that uh, the podcast that we did, which I'm currently translating, when it comes out in the Portuguese channel, I'm thinking that it uh, it, it might work in terms of people knowing what you're currently doing. Because I'm not sure if a lot of people here in Portugal are are, listen, are listening, for example, for your uh, to your podcast or other po- uh, American podcasts, other than Joe Rogan, for example, or or the uh, the most famous ones. Uh, but I believe there's a selected few who really love um, who really love this this specific segment. But yeah, I know a lot of guys who would definitely come. So yeah, I, I'm sure that uh, even if it weren't, you know. In the hundreds, I'm sure a couple of dozen people we 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 for sure be able to get, yeah, and uh, especially awesome. people that um, were we have been trying really to uh, get people from sports motivated to work on their conditioning 
because uh, here in Portugal, like in many other places, I guess, but uh, they they only view the field work as the thing that's most important, which which should be obviously, but without the the foundation work that you do in the gym, without the strength, without the conditioning, I mean, it's it's very difficult to get to where you want to go. But uh, we're still opening a few minds in terms of those um, knowledges. Let's let's put it like that. But uh, one of the things that I never thought that would have so much traction was, for example, my podcast with. I don't know. I call a nutritionist. I call a strength and conditioning coach from Portugal. I mean, the Portuguese one, it's going quite well. So I guess people are really showing an interest in those topics. Still with the main characteristic of wanting to bulk up or having bigger packs or having a bigger booty or having whatever. But uh, people are starting to really, really enjoy. And to that, we have to thank CrossFit because a lot of people are really enjoying to put some numbers on the barbell, getting... Uh, uh, um, getting uh, more speed, uh, getting more jumping power, uh, more flexibility. So I think we're starting to get rolling this idea of, you know, losing weight. It's just the beginning, you know, you can, you, mm -hmm. there's definitely a, a whole voyage that you can go through in fitness that comes with you being able to get more pull-ups, do a, a bigger jump, uh, uh, run it a faster time, you know, I, th I think we're, I think we're, we're being able to open up a few minds about that, but I believe, yeah, I believe we would have a successful seminar here in Portugal and above all else, a great experience for you guys as well. Yeah. No, sounds amazing. Yeah. 100%. What, what, uh, um, and finally, like what does 2021 hold for you? Like what's going on with Bruno in 2021? Well, I've, I've been working on the, on the English channel because, uh, I think I, I've, I've come to notice that what, kind of sets me apart in terms of branding myself what sets me apart in terms of the uh, worldly market or whatever you know the international market other than portuguese one is mostly the martial arts and the stunts uh, but in terms of the portuguese one people view me as the fitness guy so i would say that i will keep doing that a little bit of separation between my english channel and my portuguese one I'm really excited about this, which um, you guys can see it. I mean, it's it's <laughs> this looks like crap still. I, I managed to do this this little uh, uh, banged up setup right now for you to do for for us to do the podcast. But um, we're we're changing places, so we're doing uh, uh, we're getting a, a, a bigger studio in which I have the gym uh, and uh, the this this place here in which I'm going to do the podcast and the editing room and showers and stuff like that so i'm managing to get everything in one place which i didn't have before so we just moved in like a couple months ago and we're working on the construction to build this into a into a, um, a great place uh, so i would say that digital marketing and online classes and online programming maybe might be what's in the works for 2021 but one of the things that really would uh, would i would love the most is uh, bringing guys like you here and doing a lot of workshops and seminars in, in our space. That's one of the things that I'm mostly interested in doing. And I hope this COVID thing ends up pretty quickly um, uh, for us to, for us to be able to do it basically. Yeah. Are the uh, numbers, um, cause I just read this morning, I think Germany is, is actually going back into a lockdown and they're kind of peaking Canada's coming down, but like there's some, some countries within the, uh, 
uh, European Union that are, are really hitting some interesting times, I think, with this. Yeah, we've gone like we tripled the numbers here in Portugal, which is still not huge numbers because we're not a, a big population. But uh, the, the most we had had was like uh, 2,000 infected people in, in 24 hours uh, in like April or something. And now we got like close to 4,000. So you know, it's not triple, it's, it's, it's double. But still, the, the, the average was about uh, 1,000 or 1,500. And now it's... Mm -hmm. uh, and now it's uh, um, about 4,000. So, and it's been steady. The 4,000 have been steady, which is not good. But uh, death is like um, from 18 to 23 or 24 deaths a day. Uh, ages comprised between, which they never say. Only when the lady from the the, um, the, the health organization, the Portuguese uh, health uh, committee, only when she starts, uh, only when she starts talking, the journalists never say this. But when she starts talking, it's like, oh, age is comprised from 65 to 97. Now, like, oh, that's like the average life expectancy here if you go on average of those. So it's like, oh, okay, come, yeah. So fear mongering is what I'm most worried about. And I believe that we are closing a lot of businesses. Supermarkets here are closing at 8 p.m. One of these days I, were, I was, um, I was going to have a dinner party at my home with a couple of friends. So I was, I was loading myself up with booze on the supermarket, but it, it was 8.06 no, no. I mean, supermarkets close at like nine or ten p.m., but you can't you can't have you can't buy alcohol from eight p.m. up, which is really stupid because you can buy at ten a.m. or whatever, whenever you want, right? So it was eight oh six, and the girl from the from the supermarket said, "No, no, no, you can you can't bring those." And I was like, three vodkas and four whiskeys," and I was like, "No, oh, man, come on, come on," and mm -hmm. I I couldn't I couldn't buy it. I had to buy it like in in other ways <laughs> in the black market <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah you can't have fun anymore you can't do anything and the restaurants are closing at 10 30 p.m and uh yeah i know that's late for you guys when, when you guys go out to discos yeah. and stuff like that you guys like you call it a night at like two a.m right <laughs> uh man we're I, in I was, bed by six I what was, yeah. i was trying i was trying to think the last time i went to a disco oh my goodness and uh, it was probably in Mexico was the last time I actually went to a legitimate like discoteca. In a discoteca. Which was in, in a discoteca. Uh, but now the, uh, dude, the States is way different. I mean, like you go to Europe and, uh, or, you know, Portugal, Spain, wherever. And it's like, you know, you eat kind of a, uh, you know, smaller deal. And then that big dinner, uh, which could be at like 10 or 11. Of course. Uh, here, if you're not like actively at the restaurant, probably maybe seven, like. Uh, I'd say nine for like a young adults or adults if we went to dinner without the the families nine sit, oh, okay. starting to eat and get our meal so like an 8 p.m reservation or 8 yeah. 30 reservation yeah, is like the peak i'll yeah. take it if there's a nine plus p.m reservation it's not worth it yeah i mean if if, if you're leaving the house at nine o'clock looking for a place to go eat uh you're shit out of luck really Oh yeah. man, you, you guys, you guys need some freedom over there. You got to come to Portugal, man. Well, oh, and, and, and it, it, that it, stuff of not going to bars and discos that we're not going to have any of that shit here in Portugal. Otherwise I'm not going to take you in. Okay. Uh, the, uh, the, in. the hilarious part is, um, that's just maybe like, uh, you know, the rural, the more rural places, but I remember New York city, like we would go Oh yeah. when I was in Philly, we'd go up to, uh, hang out in New York city. And like, uh, we'd be at the, you know, China club or these different spots to like three or four in the morning, leave there and go have like a five-star steak at yeah. like oh, three thirty, four okay. o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning. Like, 
I remember getting this food and being like, are you fucking kidding me? This is crazy. This is an amazing meal at three or four o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning. Yeah, I could do New York City maybe once a year because the bars never close. I was conditioned to drink until the bars close, like at 2 a.m. in D.C. And then you just keep that train rolling when you change and go to a different city. You just expect to lights go on. and. Yeah. All right, I'm conditioned. Dude, Lights Cal- on. Stop <laughs> drinking. In California, they start taking drinks at like 1.30, and they close at two, and the you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I have no, this thing. Uh, I, I I enjoy. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not a drunk guy, you know, but I, but I I enjoy drinking on Saturdays, for example, and I'm one of those guys that I'm either eight or eighty. You know, I'm I'm kind of an extremes kind of guy, so I don't I don't like to drink one beer. I like to drink like twenty beers. So it's like, well, yeah, and, and I, I get this thing. I don't like drinking in the afternoon because it gets me really woozy. If I start drinking in the afternoon, for example, by 7 p.m., I'm, I'm laid out. So I'm going to save that for when I have kids. But right now, I, I'd, say I, I'd say I have rules. Like I start drinking at 6.30 p.m. the least, uh, or I could start like 8 p.m. and then go all the way to 4 and 5 a.m., and usually I end up watching, you know, old Kung Fu movies because everybody's gone to bed already. And I'm like, okay, I need some Bruce Lee right now. I need, I need alone time with Bruce. <laughs> Dude, the, uh, the funny part is, is when you have kids, um, regardless of what time you go to bed mm-hmm. and regardless of how many drinks you had, they're still going to wake up at the same time and expect mom and dad to be on. Yeah. So I remember uh, our kids were pretty young with the twins and uh, Kate and I went to uh, like some party or something and we had a bunch of drinks and came home at like 2 a.m. And all of a sudden the kids woke up at like 4.30 and I'm still hammered. And like all of a sudden, like we're up dealing with it. It's like 5 a.m. And like I didn't even get a chance to go to bed until the next night. And I just remember thinking like never again. I, like this was awful. I'm not doing this. And what time do you guys get up usually? Uh, 4.15. What? You're kidding. Yeah, 4.15, 4.30. Why? Yeah, Why? Five, Why? 5.30. We, the day starts at 7. So, it's so you wake up three hours earlier? Yeah, wake up, eat, meditate, journal. <laughs> really? Yeah, get the chores done from the night before that we didn't do. You know, whether it's clean the kitchen, clean the dishes, vacuum, clean out the garage, take the trash out. So Luke, so all that stuff happens. Luke Ferris for me before. <laughs> Luke, Fer- what's that? Luke Ferris. Yeah, That's Tim Ferris. Sure, whatever that means. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So people you know, really I, do that. Like I wake up, I meditate, I, I do some. People. Yeah, I wouldn't say people, but that's like that's my routine for sure. <laughs> How do you meditate? How what do you do? I just fire up the Headspace app. Oh, the Headspace app. And yeah. then they, yeah, so they'll and then they have their little um, like they'll have their clinics. You can do live meditation, 10, 20, 30 minutes, something like that. Currently, I'm on the what is it? Uh, like there's a distraction track where they give you, you know there's this advice and these exercises to where they avoid distraction. Put you in the zone and then try to distract you out. Like hey hey. Hey, okay. Baby crying. (laughs) Wife, like the the distant sound of your wife yelling at you. Hello. Can't be distracted. You never listen to me. (laughs) Hello. Just screaming your name over and over again. Yeah, but I've been, so that's, that's like my go-to for the the guided meditation. I've been tinkering with some unguided stuff, but it's, that one's hard to to plug Mm -hmm. into. I'm not quite like a level 99 meditation guy yet. You need a shaman. I do need a shaman and a DMT trip and a discoteca and uh, 30 beers and... And uh, Brazilian booty classes. <laughs> you need Robin Sharma or, or uh, what's the name of that one? Deepak Chopra. Deepak Chopra. Uh, 
Dude, uh, <laughs> one of the craziest things I ever saw in Brazil uh, was we were walking on the street, and like uh, people always talk about how dangerous Rio is, where I didn't feel it. Like we were we, but I was with like six black dudes that I played football with. <laughs> so all these big dudes basically walking around. Everybody was super friendly. But I remember, <laughs> I just got out of our way. Uh, yeah, they just got out of our way. So like we walked from where like the samba school and like where they had like the big samba schools and the parades. We walked from there all the way back to the beach. Was like, you know, like a, I don't know, maybe like five, six, seven miles. Like you know, legitimate, like probably hour walk and uh so we walked through some fairly i would just say uh, um bad part of town and what was hilarious is it was probably like maybe ten thirty at night and these kids had somehow like set up lights and they were playing fusel in um uh in an alleyway and there had to be like 30 kids all playing this like fusel which is like this little soccer game with this little mini ball mm-hmm. oh. and they were playing it and we stopped and watched these kids like, I never fucking seen anything like it. Like, they had, like, all these, like, weird... Um, it almost looked like uh, headlights that they had stolen and somehow wired into batteries so they could light up the... Uh, uh Alley. Uh, the alleyway, and then they were playing this game with this like little ball that they were all like kind of kicking and moving and juggling and kicking it off the walls. And we stopped and watched. And I remember one of the guys I was with is like, "That's why the best soccer players in the world come from Brazil. Wow. That's fucking crazy yeah. watching." And it was it was ten o'clock, eleven, you know, later on like a Saturday night, and these kids were four, five, six, seven years old, just outside playing this game, and no adults in sight. I remember thinking like, "Wow, this is this is a interesting place." Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in Portugal, people start start to, to play soccer very early on as well, and uh, well, that's that's probably one of the reasons why we don't have a huge strength culture. Um, only now with the CrossFit and stuff like that, it's 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 starting to to get a little bit more uh, awakened. But uh, yeah, it's mostly we got a lot of speedy guys and we got a lot of you know zigzaggy guys and guys who are very agile and we're very good at those sports. We got great judo athletes. We got great um, canoeing athletes and uh, yeah, but and, and obviously soccer athletes like Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, but um, But, for example, a sport like American football, which I played here in Portugal, and I'm sorry to say American yeah. football, but if I say football in Portugal, people, people, uh, people, people are not going to think it's um, people are going to think it's soccer, obviously. So I always have to say American football. But I played American football here in Portugal, actually, but it was very, very amateurish. Uh, yeah, I played as a linebacker. <laughs> Ah, nice. Yeah. What nice. about is it, what about rugby? Is there is there much rugby that goes on? Yeah, I played rugby as well. I played from mm-hmm. 18 to 19. I actually didn't do it for quite for quite a long time. But yeah, uh, it's popular. But it's mostly the high end kids who play it. I don't really know why, but it's okay. mostly the high end families. It's like the what do you call it? Like the the posh families who play it. Sure. sure. Yeah. Which which is which is sometimes I think that if if it were a little bit more open to other social uh, social uh, um, divisions or whatever uh, yeah yeah social I mean, groups or social like groups yeah I, I think yeah. we would get better athletes in in in, in a way sure. because you know if it were more broad if it had more variety uh, a lot of people go to rugby because it's uh, fashionable or because you're with friends and the better looking guys you know they all look like Johnny from Cobra Kai you know when he was young Yeah, you know yeah. the the rich kids from the hill, uh, all valley, or hill valley, or Beverly Hills. Or I don't know, <laughs> you know, right, right. <laughs> the guys from the hills, right? 
So it's yeah, it, and those guys are soft, man. They got everything. You need to get those, you know, the young kids yeah, who are hungry. Yeah, 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 exactly. You want to fight their way, fight their way to the top yeah. instead of you know start at the top. Because every once in a while, one of those guys gets in a, a rugby, uh, a rugby uh, team, and they really they're they're good. You know, they're fast, they're strong, they they they're willing. But then it's difficult for them to mingle because it's really a it's 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 yeah, kind of an elitist like sport social yeah yeah social yeah it's socially oh, very elitist here in portugal yeah mm. well you probably because you need a um you know a huge pitch to play on and it's probably a little more specialized whereas you know soccer you can pretty much play anywhere in any environment yeah and and not and not much exposure i guess because we don't even have we don't even watch rugby games in in portuguese tv unless it's on pay-per-view you know those channels that you have to pay for which are portuguese as well but they only show like new zealand games or south african games or stuff like that when when there's for example the the, the world championship going on but uh rarely ever do you see the portuguese national championship on television you don't see that which is a shame yeah cool but you're gonna you're gonna like it you're gonna like it. i mean yeah, people are interested no doubt and uh you know, funny thing, uh, you asked me, uh, 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 you asked me a thing uh, a while ago, which was uh, in terms of the conditioning, what are the things, what were some of the things, because we haven't burst on conditioning, but uh, one of the things that I felt mostly uh, that I didn't get a lot from CrossFit, for example, because I started CrossFit at, like, like you guys, maybe a, um, seven or eight years ago, I started doing CrossFit. And I believe that that was the magic for me to be able to handle everything in stunts, even though it got me better in some areas and I got stronger and stuff like that. But whenever I, I, I did uh, stuff like wheel kicks or I had to do like 10 wheel kicks in a row or I had to do one of those fight choreography, choreographies full of ballistic movements with a lot of rotation and repetitions and a lot of flexibility, I would get so sore for like a week that I noticed that that type of conditioning wasn't, wasn't being good for me. I was getting too square in my approach. It was always like the same uh, um, patterns, right? Like the sagittal plane, the frontal plane, but not so much rotation or not so much sprinting action without being shuttle sprints and stuff like that, uh, that, that I felt that uh, I really needed something else for my, to step up my game. Um, so uh, I, I want to thank you guys because a lot of uh, what you've been uh, sharing in your podcast have, has really helped me in terms of figuring out that they're figuring out that um, if I want to be really functional, I don't like that word, but if I want to be really functional to my craft, I really have to do something else, something more three-dimensional and not just work out in the same place, but go and come back and stuff like that. You know, a lot of rotation, a lot of med ball rotations and not just use the med ball for wall balls like people in CrossFit do, which is, you know, the wall ball The wall ball is like, yeah, the med balls are for well, something else. Well, don't forget else. about medicine ball cleans. Well, uh, the most elite movement it's, it's of what, the seven. It's yeah. what we saw, though. It was the idea that um, when I looked at the CrossFit stuff, I mean, everything could be done within a doorway. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, like, uh, you know, everything's within that doorway hinging. And it's like all this kind of straight ahead hallway stuff. And as you know, movement and sport and what you're looking to do is not done within a doorway. Yeah. Like and getting so, hit by a car. Well, 
Bruce, you, it's amazing that you have that sense of what you needed and it wasn't there. And you were, the, the training that you were doing, the, the fitness, the strength conditioning training you were doing, you had such an in tune with your body, you felt it not doing what you wanted it to do. A lot of people that find that fitness for the first time that don't have as a connection with their body like you do as a martial artist, they don't have that sense of lack. And that's, I mean, a lot of the reason it blew up. Well, the typical response is, well, I'll just do more of what I'm doing. Correct. Yeah. Or more, more of what worked in the beginning. Well, then the perspective of CrossFit football and introducing these planes of motion to the activity of fitness, then it really helped people open up and improve their athleticism from said door frame and planted foot position and introduced these things that John invented called space. In curls, bicep curls. Yeah, it's not just the final frontier. <laughs> because it, because John's joke. If if I do a full speed snapping kick like ten times in a row, like pop, 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 I'm gonna be so sore the next day that I, I think no 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 something has to be wrong here. I mean something in my fitness is not going well if I'm doing ten kicks and I'm getting sore the next day. And it's not just you know it's not just doing de- thirty deadlifts for time that's gonna help me you know. So, yeah, I, I believe that we, uh, that has been a huge eye-opener. We had a guy on the podcast years ago. Uh, do you remember Rob Miller? He yeah. was the climber. Mm-hmm. And he started talking about that hierarchy. Yeah, it was the, kind of the, the circle. Wheel. Yeah, the wheel. And, like, there's, like, um, he was, uh, um, like, a super high-level, like, long-distance, high-altitude, like, uh, you know, like, kind of, like, insane climber. Like, hey, I'm going to, you know, assault this thing for three weeks and climb these epic things. <laughs> and, um, sorry, Tex. Uh, he came to CrossFit because he had the same kind of notion that, hey, this uh, glycolytic capacity, like this is the missing piece. Very similar to what I thought when I saw the CrossFit being like, well, we'd always done metabolic conditioning. Maybe I'm deficient in glycolytic capacity. And if I raise this, it's going to be able to have greater application outside of it or poured over to what I need. Um, so Rob Miller comes into CrossFit and all of a sudden he starts crossfitting in this he goes back out to do his climbs and he's slower he doesn't have the deal he's fitter at the crossfit but it wasn't translating over and then he um uh basically kind of got hooked up with mark ripto and he started doing some starting strength and just found that just basic barbell movements that were getting him stronger poured it over with uh, bouldering and actually sports specific kind of movements and training and kind of cross training within his climbing paradigm of like bouldering fast, going high, going this way, moving this way. And uh, it got to the point where it's, you know, the wheel, like the center was like basic barbell strength training where you're not trying to do everything. You just have, you know, the very basics of like, this is how I'm going to get stronger, progressive overload, whether it be reps or weight. And then as you went out farther into this wheel, into this circle, then that's where the training became and expanded. Instead of this idea that uh, I'm going to train for everything within the confines of the wad. And um, that was the exact same conclusion I came to. And then we had him on the podcast. And it was um, like just to this day, it's still like one of those ones that really resonates with me. And dude, that would, I mean, we were sitting in old power athlete in Costa Mesa. That was one of our first ones. Yeah, during the dumpster drops. Yeah, 20, the, 2015. Yeah, 2015. Looking up the episode number now. So uh, that podcast, which probably has awful, terrible, no production. Um, we should remake it. Remakes never go bad. Yeah, but that uh, thing nice is, the exa- it is the exact same thing that you found out, With that the rock. found out, that Rob Miller found out, mm-hmm. that uh, uh, Eva um, Tara Dawkins found out, and every high-level athlete that all of a sudden thought that this was the missing piece 
and went and then tried it and then tried to take it back and try to you know have greater application. I mean, the uh, uh, New Orleans Saints tried to do it, and that was fucking abysmal. Um, so the idea of like your there's um the foundation of GPPs within the strength work. I mean, within the foundation of the gym, and we do it with you know basic barbell where we're lifting heavy. Uh, we're doing a ton of dynamic movement, rotation, wow. transverse plane. And the problem is, is that's where this whole athleticism model, the idea that, uh, you know, um, uh, athleticism is defined as the ability to seamlessly and effortlessly combine primal movement patterns through space to accomplish a known or novel task. That definition was ported and really came from the exact thing that you're talking about. We're like, hey, this is what I need to do as an athlete. This is what I need to do for the expression of my job. And I'm doing this and it's not making me better. So now I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to figure out that like that I can't try to do everything. I just have to be able to keep my center, my kernel. And then as I go out, like, hey, I want to do my basic barbell work. I want to be strong. I want to be able to do all these things. Now, all of a sudden, I need to have that so that I can go out and do this. Like, yeah. this stuff will never replace that. Yeah. And uh, every high-level athlete and every intelligent person that we've ever talked to that had any kind of thought and reflection and just understanding of this stuff got to the exact same point. And I remember mine. After I'd done all the CrossFit, competed in the games and done that, I go to play for the New England Patriots. I get in my stance, and I heard them, uh, Tom Brady yell, you know, like, snap, or it was uh, on one, said, hut. And when I went to move, there was, like, just like you said with the uh, automatic transmission where he put it, it it paused (laughs) for a second. Yeah. All of a sudden, I went to plant, and I had that same automatic transmission pause. And the dude beat me around the corner, and I remember thinking, like, holy shit. Like something's fucked up in my training. This has never happened to me. And then as I came back and I remember uh, after I got hurt, my wife and I went to Mexico and I read super training on our our vacation. And (laughs) they talked about high intensity exercise and circuit training forces a conversion of fast twitch muscle fibers to slow twitch muscle fibers to be able to handle a greater load over time. And this can be extremely beneficial early in an off season, but as you get closer to the sport that involves some form of dynamic explosive, something like football, you have to get away from this training and be very specific within the demands of the, of the sport. And that was really the catalyst for CrossFit football was the idea that I didn't want anybody else to make the mistakes that I made. Mm-hmm. So that's me off my No, exactly, exactly. That's that's what I feel as well. I mean, as soon as you start doing something a little bit more specific, you notice if you're getting better or not. If if you're not, something's not something's not good with your conditioning. Something's not good with your conditioning. Did you see, did you see the CrossFit Games this last weekend? Uh, you know what? I, I watched some of the clips uh, on uh, Armin's uh, Instagram, but I yeah, I watched I, very I little really... of it as well. But uh, I saw the the last was one. Was it uh, was it televised anywhere? Uh, no, it was on the on the, the internet. I saw it on the on YouTube. It, oh, it's on YouTube. So they, yeah, so. The last, the last. Uh, I, I still can't believe they put a lot of kipping pull ups. What do you think about the kipping pull ups and handstand push ups, for example? Uh, I I like. They shouldn't call it a pull up. I mean, they should be called like a kipping body up. Like it's <laughs> not a pull up. But like I, I, I understand the idea of like, hey, we want to do some vertical pulling with like a secular, you know, hinging motion. Like I think it has a place. But the problem is, is when you start porting that over for athletes that are training for something or people that don't have the strength to protect themselves or aren't 110 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you start running into some more trouble. So what I didn't like about the kipping was that people could and we, we saw this in our own gym man, people could kip and get 10 pull ups, but couldn't do one strict. Yeah. So then we completely changed everything that we wouldn't let you kip until you had a certain number of strict pull ups. 
So I, I think for the CrossFit people that are competing in it, it makes, like, I understand the application. Um, I don't know if the application works for the general public that's not competing in the CrossFit Games. I don't know, because the last, the last event was, uh, uh, they called it Atalanta, which was like a, a, a steroided Murph. So it was like one mile run, then you had like a uh, hundred uh, keeping handstand push-ups. A hundred. I mean, talk about beating your head to the ground like a hundred times. And I've seen this. I've I've hosted a couple of um, of Portuguese and European uh, with a couple of, of guys from the games as well. At a couple of European um, competitions, CrossFit competitions, hosted by a huge Portuguese supplement company. And uh, I saw people, and this was in, in uh, a few years ago when you had like the 31st competitors were very good, but then the 37th or the 40th was not very good. And in the master's category, oh my God, you've seen, I saw like people who look like turtles falling on their head like 30 times to try to get 30 uh, for time handstand pushups. And I was like, oh my goodness, that person doesn't even train her neck. She's a little bit on the overweight side and she's doing like 30 or trying to do 30. Um, keeping handstand push-ups, that's, that's going to be mayhem for sure for that, for that poor lady. <laughs> axial load. Yeah, yeah, yeah axial yeah. load of slamming on your head. Oh, no, I, I, dude, I, I remember uh, uh, early on when um, I first started kind of fucking around and competing in the CrossFit gym, they had like some handstand push-up deal and I could like... I could kip it, but the problem was is as you lock it out, there's no, like, for the eccentric load to protect yourself fucking drains you, so then you kind of, like, kip, lock, and then you just kind of let go and take the fucking shot right on the top of your head. And I remember getting up yeah. and being like, oh, man, this, uh, good thing I have a strong neck, but, like, I can't imagine other people that haven't spent their whole world trying to, yeah, because their whole life trying the to have a strong is, neck. efficiency in that movement in order to get as many reps as possible is... Letting go is not controlling because you're wasting your muscle energy if you're controlling too much. It's not hypertrophy, right? You're trying to do 30 in the least amount of time possible. So you're, you're always going to drop and you're going to believe that only having the ab mat or the towel or whatever on the floor is going to be enough to reduce the impact. But it's really, really, I mean, it's so, so dangerous. This, well, you yeah. also, if you do it right, quote, air quotes, listeners, you can leverage that ground reaction force into your next rep, which Stop. was my, that oh. was my play. Yeah. Touch and, and go. Got, my neck hurts. <laughs> I got short arms. I got a big head yeah. and oh, a oh, relatively oh. long neck. Like, and a man, sunken, I, sunken chest. You could eat a bowl of soup out of Um That was my jam. But to, to talk about, like, I'm not mad at the movements per se, yeah. Bruno, but putting them into, like, a competitive expression in high rep, high volume, um, where... In a domain of competition where the 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 foundational training principle of 80-20, like the margin for error and risk of injury, if we were to like throw that through our 3P model, uh, practical, purposeful, prudent, or purposeful, practical, prudent, it's a dumb thing to have general pop people do. It's probably not the best way to challenge and test the expression of fitness, but and it looks good on camera. Well, that's what I want to get to quickly. And it's hard for the normies that that's, are doing it. Well, that's the point. Like, if it's these professional CrossFitters, yeah. sure, go to go to freaking town with kipping, whatever. Awesome. Clapping, kipping, cool. But then the this is the danger of this, air quote, sport transitioning or translating down into a... The amateur the level. The amateur level. 
and the the programmer, the head coach, the coach within the gym walls, they can do these things and making a mistake of handing it off to their their clientele. I understand the purpose. They want to take this person where they can't take themselves and get this feel-good sense of accomplishment from getting their first muscle up or doing their first handstand push-up. Awesome. They're seeing that movement as a reward. Cool. But they need to take the approach of more weight on the barbell is the reward. You are doing more work than you did yesterday. You're a better version of yourself. The problem when they start to compare that or provide a sense where they're comparing that individual to the person next to them, that individual to Stacy Tovar, just to name a random <laughs> CrossFit athlete. <laughs> Dream uh, did you retire like 10 years ago? <laughs> well, the heyday back in 2016. I just, I'm locked in the year you, of 2016. Do you still say, from Wayne. do you still say Kara Webb and not Kara Saunders? No? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah. Well, I, I met her in Australia. So, you've seen Wayne's World? Oh, yeah, of course. The scene. Mike Myers Dream and the. Yeah. Dreamweaver. Yeah, yeah. So, there's Dreamweaver scene, the Foxy Lady scene. Like, that oh, is. Ah, Tia Carrera. They want you. Tia Carrera walks up. Foxy. Oh. And he's like. And Garth is like. And uh, <laughs> that, was for, that was for a different Dreamweaver. That was Garth's line where they want you to go after them. They love it. But then the Dreamweaver sign, Wayne is on this just treadmill, just moving through the crowd without walking, going right up to Cassandra the first time he sees her. Those are great movies. Amazing bass player. Man, she's great. But anyway, you start within a gym. You have the leaderboard, and you're writing all these numbers. Mm-hmm. You start to compare your, the, yourself. This is from an athlete's perspective now, and it's not their fault, to the other people around you versus comparing yourself to who you were yesterday. Yeah. And that is the true representation of progress is going from one or uh, an eccentrically loaded pull-up over time getting to the point where I can do one strict pull-up. Mm-hmm. And then writing down this goal. This is where I kind of like the the OPEX model. It is one-on-one and it forces you this way. It can, this can be approached in a team setting, in a group class and fitness setting. But then just seeing, and this goes to the perspective that we aim to teach and have where people are falling in love with movements, handstand push-up, kipping pull-up, muscle-up. They're falling in love with these movements versus squats, Okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> versus versus movement and athleticism, which we train and in teach right? in progress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So who you are, and then the athleticism continuum, right? If you start to compare yourself to NFL athletes on an athleticism continuum, we're always going to be behind. But if I can continue to progress as an individual on this continuum for the rest of my life, where movement, how I live is how I move, how I move is how I live then we have the perspective of progress. If I, as an old man, can still squat 400 pounds, and we look at uh, Bert Soren's father, every year he aims to deadlift on his birthday 400 pounds. Wow. 80-year-old man. Well, uh, that it was, is, it was on, 500 that was, pounds. Oh, 500 pounds. Now that it's 400 is, pounds. Now it's 400 pounds, but it's yeah, now still I can take progress. It. <laughs> it's still progress because he is not declining. Wow. Now if we can extrapolate that to a 30-year-old uh, just normal person, woman, male within that, their fitness is maintaining what they have 
and then hopefully progress because mainta- maintenance over time is still progress if we well, have this perspective. Well, think about The Rock. So I saw a picture of The Rock the other day. He's in better shape and more jacked and getting bigger and, and more muscular more than leaner at 48 than he was in his fucking 20s and 30s. Yeah, me and The that's, Rock are like that. You but know, that's, we age, we just that's The Rock. The Rock has a right mindset where he is comparing the Dwayne Johnson to who he was as an actor, yeah. as a, a performer, as a training, fitness, strength person, individual. Great mindset. But if the moment somebody starts to compare themselves to The Rock, or a coach mm-hmm. uh, starts to pit two athletes together in a fitness setting. Don't get me wrong, performance and competition is a different approach. But for fitness, then, then, we're, then we're in a wrong yeah. mindset. That's, that's just the, the major yeah. focus and mentality that I have against the games. While I appreciate and we, we've taken Christy Atkins there, so... We've been to that perspective aside of performance, but at the same time translated down to the 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 mom and pops within that community. Mm-hmm. The the um, that's that's where the problems I see this disconnect mentally yep. and getting wrapped up in movements versus the person in front of you, mm-hmm. six inches in front of your face. Going back to the inch of speech of movement. Inches are everywhere. Inches. Got to love. Are all around us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All around us. Oh, dude, it's great. And I see, I see a couple of guys um, who have been doing CrossFit for like ten years and stuff. And uh, whenever they go and teach workshops, they still have the same slides from level one, and or they are just copying and and telling exactly the same thing as they as we had in the first level one. So it's like, are you still using that health and fitness continuum and uh, and they're always using the same thing, and I'm like, "Oh, come on!" It's not a continuum. So, yeah, it's not a continuum. It's a, it's a, it's a graph. It's a graph. But like, I mean, why, 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 why don't you add your personal experience? I mean, if somebody comes uh, to a, to a, an exercise uh, school uh, and, and and tries to teach a workshop. Why don't they use their personal experience or put something other than only the slides and the cliches and the, the, well, the already made Bruno, out sentences by Greg Lessman? I mean, it's so if it's so, Bruno, if it's if you're talking specifically to level one, it's because it's accredited. And in order for it to maintain its accreditation and credentialing, it has that's how it has to be delivered. Oh, no, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking about people who but go now, if you're talking about yeah. themselves go. Like privately, which is not going to yeah, give yeah. any accreditation, uh, not any credits. Right, right. If that's the case, then it's because they're unoriginal. Well, exactly. They're not, exactly. They're not yeah. To like somebody's going to invite well, it, me to go to a, I don't know, to a to a seminar to, in a, in a local gym, and I'm going to bring whatever I want. I'm not going right, to, you know, right. I'm not going to. It's, it's so stupid. It's like well, I have it, nothing it, to yeah. say. I have no experience. I have well, no. Well, it's the problem is is that uh, they don't come from a background of, of training or strength and conditioning knowledge. Mm-hmm. So the problem is is that when they learned the CrossFit, that was really their first indoctrination and never went any farther. Yeah. That became their alpha and their omega, and there is nothing else. And part of the it's problem the was uh, Greg Glassman was real big on like there's no contribution outside of CrossFit, no oh. strength conditioning, no sports scientist. Nobody has has done everything. We figured it out and this is all you need. And I think when he did that, the people that were on board with it just Believe. didn't, yeah, believed it and didn't 
reach outside. They didn't have anything else. This was their first exposure. This is all they knew. And they'd never asked the question of like, why or could this be wrong? So I think that they're still stuck in the idea yeah. of dogma. And a yeah. part of that is they had success. They got fitter, stronger, uh, more efficient within their movement. They had success at the beginning. And better at CrossFit. And better at Cross. Well, that that in itself is the, the like the the reinforcing the pat on the back of this behavior and more and more and more. And it's objective, and, so it's it's measurable. Mm-hmm. So you can even if you're not a numbers person, you understand the concept of more or less, is and they equate that immediately to progress. So if I did, if it took me this long to do this, now we repeat it. Now I'm able to do it faster. That's right. Now all of a sudden I am better. Yeah, yeah, huge selling point. In the in the one week free at CrossFit Naperville, RIP, it's been sold off. The uh, you know we had our foundations. You had your seven sessions over two weeks, and the workout day one repeated on day seven. And guess what happened invariably to everybody? They got. And then you go, see, it works. Yeah, you're fitter. <laughs> we didn't sign your contract here, please. Who was the woman you did pull ups against that got you hooked? Linda. Linda. Yeah, I'll tell you, John, I do miss. The summer story mm-hmm. at the the beginning Linda. of the, the yeah. seminars. Um, <laughs> one day, man, I, I have a feeling that all of a sudden we're going to get a call and it's going to be like, one last job. <laughs> Let's do it. You think Dave, Dave and Nicole are going to call us? Uh, Anything no. Anything other than... Well, Dave Kessler? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think Dave and Nicole are just... Probably hanging on for dear life. Hanging on for dear life, just hoping that Eric Rosa doesn't realize that they're frauds. Somebody told me I don't know if it's if, if it's if it's legit, but somebody told me that they're gonna put Dave away and, and bring Rich Froning. I'm not sure if this is even classified. I have no, no way. idea. Uh, I believe it. I mean, I, he is a poster. It, it's taken long enough. As a, as a programmer mean, for the games and uh, whatever. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. I, I think anybody would be better than Dave. Right? <laughs> his, uh, the baton. I love his deadlift. That he does. I love his deadlift. Oh. Come on, don't be like Amazing. that. Amazing deadlifter. Amazing. I actually have that saved because I was afraid the internet would erase it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, too bad we didn't film my deadlift, which took twice as long. Yeah, yeah but, your back, but your back was flat. Uh, yeah. And uh, his looked like a dog shitting a razor. Well, board. remember, we were, having, we were going to do a gig. We were doing a gig at a gym. Oh, I, I led that one. It was up in Worcester, Mass, Massachusetts. Yeah, we were doing a gig at a, we were doing a CrossFit football or was it SSA at no, the time? No, it, uh, it was football. Yeah, because I got the call from yeah. the It guy. was foosball. I got the call from the guy on like when I was home for Christmas, and it, it was like two weeks out. All right, Bruno. So we had a maybe a seminar in January. It was at Boston. It was right? uh, we were supposed to do whatever the boss like the big box in Boston, which we'd never been to. Yeah, and so we get a call from the, the they had posted a blog about deadlifting and had posted that video, and it wasn't like it was very lighthearted and satirical, yeah. and like you know like. If you're a good sporter, you just shrug it off. But then what ended up happening is they, they, they were threatened to have their affiliate pulled and they could host no seminars. And like they were on super secret timeout for a year. No secret to, double <laughs> probation, yeah. right? No. And we had, and we had to cancel the gig because, or we had to move it. Yeah, we yeah. moved it to 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 uh, CrossFit uh, Reebok One. Reebok One oh, is, okay. is why we moved it. Oh, okay. Oh, oh and then we went back to the Wooster because yeah. that yeah. was the man. Because that was the guy. Yeah. So we had to cancel because they posted on their blog, which you know probably topped out at two hundred hits a day. Yeah, you know, but like, Dave is very sensitive. Yeah, um, oh, man. yeah, his. Uh, uh, I mean, 
the fact that we had to yank that seminar, like, and and the guy was like, you got to be fucking kidding. I mean, the only worst deadlifting video, which I also have saved, is the Donald Trump Jr. one that they've since deleted. DTJ? Where Donald Trump Jr. was in a CrossFit gym and just pulls the camel shitting a razor blade, not necessarily the dog. And uh, I saved that one, too, because I thought that one was great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> you saved it. The internet doesn't forget that one. <laughs> save it for a rainy day. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, quickly on that note, that is a reflection of comparing yourself to others versus Im- improving your ability. If you shit the bed on a deadlift, mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to then learn how to actually do it mm-hmm. and then come back and execute it well. Well, I'm always amazed too where people film this stuff and they Who's watch. Who's telling them like post that? Uh, uh, like that that I, blows my mind all the time. I watch people post stuff and I'm like, didn't you watch that? Like I would <laughs> fucking be embarrassed. Like I'd rather not have content than have that content. I, I do privately message some coaches that are showing off athletes, and it's it's not a good. It's it's very poor execution. <laughs> like if it's if it's okay, we'll let it be. But if it's obnoxious and they're they're reinforcing this behavior by that person by showing it off on or social or themselves so was, i was you more, haven't posted you haven't never dm'd me with your movement luke say it say it uh you don't <laughs> post movement you post ruby your walking. movement you don't do it <laughs> yeah anyway but do my due diligence to then yeah. put them in the right direction of What's saying, hey, Kim. Actually, I saw, I saw um, Luke doing that ninja get up. It was ninja get up with a, a shuffle, a, a jumping lunge. And I was like, wow. Want to be on my stunt team? Roll up to, Ex-gymnast. To I, oh, you were a gymnast? Well, I never even considered that I could have been a stuntman growing up. It's oh. not too late. And I've just realized <laughs> it now. You were a gymnast? See, really? Or he's kidding. Yeah, well, not really. I did. I did a couple years of gymnastics. Wow, nice. Competed, mm-hmm. and then uh, grew up. My next door neighbor had a trampoline, so for <laughs> eight years I was on the yeah. trampoline doing acrobatics and shit like that. So, and you can take a punch. Oh yeah, and I can throw one too. So watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how people think it's actually a punch, but you know, especially actors from the theater, they're like, oh, "Okay, I'm ready. Okay, I'm ready." No, no, nobody's gonna punch you, and then they keep moving forward until they actually reach my hand, and it's like, "I'm not gonna punch you. It's all mm-hmm. gimmicks. It's all yeah. It's all movie oh, magic. Movie magic. Yeah, I'm not gonna exactly. punch you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, ran, mm-hmm. I ran into a couple of uh, incidents like that. Uh, in which actors beat each, beat each other and stuff like that, and obviously the blame is always of the coordinator. So I, I it, it was tough times to to learn how to discipline actors who do everything perfectly in the rehearsal. You know, we do it like twenty five percent and fifty percent. Let's go all out, perfect in the shooting day. Let's keep it that way. No, no, sir. They're um, method actors. Whenever you say action, it's like, oh, my goodness, this guy comes from the theater. He has no idea that we have to do exactly as we rehearse. So it's it's very difficult to deal with that every once in a while. No. The talent. Maybe it's cocaine. Uh, it's diva. Big divas. Big divas. Yeah, cocaine. <laughs> Maybe it is. It I don't cocaine? know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Could be cocaine. I don't know. I've never heard of artists using anything, so I don't know. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, Bruno, thank you so much, man. It was uh, it was great to connect with you again, and uh, I'm really glad that uh, we found that your name was Bruno because that was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> and the one I did for you, but uh, thanks for being a, a guest on Power Athlete Radio. And dude, I'm sure we will definitely connect many more times, and uh, uh, hopefully see you here in the future. Yeah. For our listeners, Bruno, where do you want them to go? Like, where can they check you out on YouTube for, uh, or podcast or whatever? Oh, so uh, the channel is Bruce Willow. 
Willow as as in the tree, yeah, Bruce Willow. Uh, there's the YouTube channel, and the Instagram as well, the Bruce Willow, where you can see me kick and getting hit by cars and doing the splits and stuff like that, and like uh, a modern type Van Dam wannabe, <laughs> <laughs> and having some fun with it. And also in my YouTube channel, I do a lot of uh, I, I do a lot of videos on with tips on how to. Uh, get better because not only at agility but also strength and, and conditioning as well but uh not not one tenth of what these guys do for you guys so yeah <laughs> oh man appreciate yeah. it yeah awesome. thank you you've been helping me quite a lot i got i really i'm really being honest i've i've told uh john that it's not to toot your own horn but i've started listening to your podcast much more than i listen to joe rogan's right now so it's it's really it's really uh, come a long way and you guys have been doing a great job and uh, it's really natural the way you do it the only other guy that's that does it as natural as you guys and i'm not sure if you ever saw his uh, podcast is uh, you know the guy from uh, the usual suspects the the short guy kevin pollack oh, yeah. the actor oh, yeah. he has a, a podcast in which he already uh, had like guys like tom hanks and uh, uh, rob reiner and stuff like that And they all stop and say, this is an actual conversation. You do this very, very casually. And that's what you guys brought to the table. Because other guys in strength and conditioning are way too technical or they start, you know, they're way more formal. They don't get, they don't get as much laughs as you do. And uh, you, you guys are really doing a great job. And I love your podcast. So thank you so much. Oh, get Thanks, that, man. Yeah. Take that, Joe Rogan. You take that, Joe. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah. And you know, don't eat mushrooms and LSD and whatnot, you know? No. You guys well, wake I up at four. Mushrooms. You guys wake I up at like four. Normal store bought ones. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of nervous. Like, I, I, like uh, the whole, you know, when we went to that deal where uh, uh, Aubrey Marcus talked about stripping away everything and looking into the darkness, and I was like, what? What was well, that? that? What was that, that night? He fell asleep at the wheel and got in a car accident. So. <laughs> Which with, with rooms? Which rooms? Uh, maybe. Oh, who, who knows? knows? Who, who knows? fucking knows with these people? Well, I, I will tell you, if I'm at a steakhouse, like the family style, and you get, you know, you get to side with your steak and share at the table. My number one pick is mushrooms. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm, I'm Brussels sprouts. Spinach. Ugh, spinach. Brussels sprouts. You guys with your greens. Bah. I like those. Do- or well. the fries. Yeah. Well, steak fries don't count. Steak frites? Yeah. Uh, frites. <laughs> Batatas fritas. No, fries. No, we're excited to get out of your way, man. And thank you, Power Application. And until next time, bye-bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Follow Bruno on Instagram at the Bruce Willow, and he is all over YouTube. Just look for Bruno Salguero. Until next time, bye!